Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great size. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Welcome into the Net Live. Happy Monday, everybody. Back to our normal time, Jeremy. Not 10 p.m. like I wrote on the Facebook page. Yeah, not, not. So it happens when you don't sleep very long. Not 10 p.m. 10 a.m. Because we are not in Japan. If it was Japan, perhaps we could do it at 10 p.m. and still be on time here in the States. But that's not the case, is it, Jeremy? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> if you told me I was in Japan right now, I'd actually believe you. Yeah, what's up? You've been hurting since last week. You've been no. You got the plague or something? The Ebola virus. Uh, I'm just tired, Kevin. I yeah. think that's what it is. I'm just tired. You're just sick and tired. Yes, actually. <laughs> I'm sick and sick tired. Sick and tired. But I'm good. I'll be all right. I'll, I'll rally. You will struggle through. Yep. All right. Good for you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad you have chosen to join us here, whether you're getting us via iTunes later in the week or you are on live right now. Thanks for tuning into the show. Remember, 347-677 is our call-in number, 347-677-1525. We haven't had a caller for a while. No, we haven't, and uh, we could use them today because uh, it's just you and me, Jeremy. We're cruising. We're cruising today. I love it. So we have some good topics to talk about. Norseka, men and women. Women have... Finished their Norseka event there in Omaha. Hope you got a chance to get out there and see it, or at least watch the live stream. Been on a couple people to try and get them in here to update us on that. But Norseka, a good event for the USA women. We will review that. And the USA men, underway today. They will be getting underway, so we'll talk about that. And the beach, upcoming. Santa Barbara, ABP Santa Barbara. Yep, this weekend. Sounds Friday. good. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, main draw, Thursday qualifier. Thursday evening will be the conclusion of the finals from the St. Petersburg event for the men. Jake and Casey finishing their match against Nicholas and Theo. <laughs> Nicholas. Do they have to go by Nicholas now? Well, it depends on like, Theo. Well, I was, I was wondering, could we call him Theodore? Like, there's all kinds of things Dustin and I were coming up with. Like, if you get an absolute roofing, do you just call him Theodore? Like, what's his government name? Like, what does his driver's license say? That's what yeah, I want to call him. If it's Theodore, should he come out in a tweed yes, blazer? Absolutely. Maybe have a Volvo deliver him to the match? And a pipe. <laughs> he should definitely have a pipe. If your name is Theodore, you are supposed to be an English professor. What if his name's Thelonious? Well, then he's supposed to be a jazz musician. Yeah. So That's the only we, Thelonious we, I know. We, yes, we've got some things going. So we'll see what happens. Thelonious Monk. kind of like when Phil does something really special. You just call him Philip. Philip. microphone. That's all I have to say. Philip. And then you just leave it at that. Then the fans know. Nice play, Philip. Philip. <laughs> Geeter said that to him one time. I, I almost, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Theodore. Yep. Really? Thelonious. Who names their kid Theodore? I don't know. What is the origin of Theodore? That's that's what I'd want to know. Mm-hmm. What is the... the 
Maybe we'll have to get him on the history. Show. Get him on the show soon. Of Theodore. Is this an English name? Is this a? This is where the show's going now. Now we're looking at. Well, I am. <laughs> German form. Okay, so it's a German name of Theodore. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what else to do uh, with the show. iOS seven came out. That's a big deal. Last week it was GTA five. I could barely tear myself away from it too. Correct. We had to do take the program. Eight breaks on the show so you could play video games. Unfortunately, I've only played one hour, maybe an hour and a half, hour twenty minutes, something like that, in the entire week. That's how how busy I have been. Uh, and doing other things. Not to say none of that's been fun, because we'll detail my my exploits over the week, <laughs> I'm sure, during this program. But unfortunately, only logged that much time. However, iOS 7, I did I did convert everything immediately. I haven't done it yet. I did it. It's different. Is it sucking the life out of your battery? That's what I keep hearing. People's it, batteries' lives are going faster. Is it doing that? I'm at 84% already today. I don't know. The battery on my phone is not the greatest anyway. So I, I did... I did, in fact, order my gold iPhone. Which you won't get till October or November? October 31st. Nice. Yeah. So, November. Halloween delivery. Perfect. Hopefully. Do yeah. we have a show that day? Will I be coming in bearing gifts like I did last week? Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. You're welcome. Um, I will spend the whole show sitting at my iPhone. According to Sean Manzi, Thedorus, from Greek Thedorus, literally, gift of God. Oh. Now, now okay. there you go. Yeah. Now you're okay with it? Sean? Watch. Now, That's going to make the mic in th- Santa Barbara now. Now, now you're okay? Uh, I'll have to let Dustin know. Also, apparently Sean uh, asked Nicole Davis out. I don't think it went too well for him. What What happened? He's going to let us know. Hey, I tried. Hey, worse she can say is no. He's no worse off now than he was before, right? Sean, 347-677-1525. We want to hear about your attempted courting of Nicole Davis. we got to know. We gotta know what happened. We're trying to make a love connection here on the Net Live. And Jay Hosick, I see you on the chat board. Let's have you call in too. I think we we spoke about this because he's I feel been. Like we haven't been in touch with Jay for a while. No, like last I, year I feel. I mean, yeah, I don't even remember. It's been that long, like. obviously, but like the whole summer he's been busy. His wife's making him unbelievable food. I see the photos. He's traveling. He's doing all kinds of things. Yeah. He's been quite busy, but we will get him on this program. A couple of interesting postings this morning on the NetLive page. There was a posting, and uh, I I will find his name here in just a moment. Um, But we had a fan post on our page, facebook.com slash the NetLive, and ask about AVP ratings versus WNBA ratings. Oh, yeah. Was that today? That was, I believe, today. I got a message about it today. And uh, it's an interesting question because he wanted to know whether the WNBA or the AVP get better ratings. Jeff Dittman posted this. Thank you, Jeff, for doing that. And he quoted some of the ratings from the WNBA, which I was actually quite surprised by. They're apparently up on average viewers this year to 231,000. That's up 28% from 180,000. And in fact, they had the regular season open on ESPN2, was viewed by nearly half a million people, 455,000 people. And I'm not sure what the link that he put in here has to do with it. It's about media sideline reporters. (laughs) But uh, I'm not sure how those two relate, Jeff. Mm -hmm. But 
I, I enjoyed that article as well. But I think the simple answer to this, as far as CBS Sports Network and the AVP goes, I don't think you're hitting half a million. But is that that's the, my guess? What's the what was his actual question? Like, what are the AVP ratings? It says not to knock the WNBA. We all know that at this point it's only around because the NBA supports it. But AVP could get better ratings than this, right? Especially on ESPN. Well, the AVP was on ESPN too. I'm just gonna throw that back out there. Yeah, but they didn't promote it. Oh, that was of course not. That, that was, was a huge that was, issue. That was my not beef is the incorrect term, but that was my. If you're gonna do stuff like that, again, the thing that CBS is doing is running commercials. So if you're watching another program, you see, oh, AVP is at this time on this day, which ESPN did not do. Right. So you're not getting new viewers. So then the only people tuning in are the volleyball people that already know what's on. So it doesn't matter what channel it's on, they're going to tune in regardless. Does that make sense? You're not reaching outside of the volleyball world if you're not throwing commercials on there because the volleyball world is going to find out when, where, what station's on and what time they'll tune in. They don't need a commercial to tell them. Yeah, the hardcore folks. Correct. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. And, and ESPN never adopted it. They didn't show highlights. They show highlights of the, of the WNBA on SportsCenter. Because it's an NBA property. I, I understood. There are other reasons. But as far as ratings go, I I don't know what they were. I would be surprised if it was half a million. And I, I have no basis, though, on, upon which to put that opinion necessarily. So I, I'm not really sure where we would get that information either, the rating for Well, and how do those – I never understand how those numbers work. Like, are you counting people that are watching something before that WNBA game that just happened to – be watching it a little bit, the beginning or end of it, because of whatever other show they were watching beforehand. Well, and of course, everything today is is even more convoluted than it used to be. Um, it you can't figure it out anymore. I think even the networks that do this are struggling with it. There's there used to be the Nielsen ratings, right? And you had to have and a Nielsen box in your yeah. in your house and report on what you were watching or yeah. track what you were watching. Yeah. Nowadays, I think they were trying to start incorporating TiVo and people delay watching stuff and, and those kinds of things. But I, I don't know how reliable or where those numbers come from. Yeah. Well, the thing, too, is like nowadays people are, could be watching it online. They could all be at a friend's house. Like, how do you know how many eyes are watching a football game? Because I had 20 people over at my house watching football. You know, so how do you incorporate that in? You know? I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I mean, obviously, there are a bunch of ratings issues. And that's how they sell advertising time, and that's yeah. how you value your product, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I, I don't really know even where to find it. They have to publicize it, right? Because it doesn't necessarily have to be public knowledge. I, I don't it's know not that like it it's is right. public knowledge. It's, it's not like somewhere. it's right. Like I need to, I get to know. No, I mean, of course, the volley talkers have opinions on it. Somebody oh, on volley talk is claiming that they have X number of viewers, but I don't know where they're getting that information. <laughs> Uh, my suspicion would be, given the promotional level of the two sports, that the AVP is not beating the WNBA on a regular basis. That would be my suspicion. But again, I don't know. If you out there do know, if you have a source somewhere yeah. on the web, show it to us. I'm interested to know the answer to this question. I think it's a great question. I was somewhere this weekend or last week and on the TV was a WNBA playoff game. I had no idea. Are they in playoffs? That's what I'm saying. Like I didn't know. <laughs> that's what I was saying. Like, is it a, was it a replay? I Why guess because they be got next, it? right? 
We we right. got next at the end of the NBA season, so they must have started in Because they July. do go through the summer. Right. But, like, I had no idea that it was still going on right now. So what does that tell you? That you're not a fan of the WNBA. No, but I watch ESPN. I watch SportsCenter. That's a good point. I, do you tune it out, though? It's possible. You kind of tune it out. I right? mean, I've definitely, the last two months, I've been in volleyball travel mode, so you can't take me as uh, the gospel for everybody. But right. I do check in. I watch, uh, pardon the interruption, every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, they even throw hockey talk in there sometimes. <laughs> Once in a while. Yeah. Not often. There's definitely no volleyball highlights on pardon the interruption, but... No, and they would poo-poo volleyball right away. Just because they don't know about it. Carrie Misty's streak needs to be talked about as one of the greatest streaks in sport, sports history, but nobody talks about it because they don't know. It's old news. When it was happening. The only time it's ever going to come up is in the context of another streak. Or at the Olympics. Well, yeah, but that's every four years. True. But by the way, is volleyball dominates the ratings in the Olympics. Beach volleyball. Correct. And volleyball actually does well. Yep. Indoor does well also, and that's yep. why it got more and more airtime over the last two Olympic games. Correct. Even more, more primetime stuff. Yeah, yeah, more primetime stuff and, and live too. and better numbers and yeah, it was it was definitely true. I still have said this on the air here and I think in other places that NBC is the kingmaker when it comes to some of this stuff. If NBC wanted to get huge ratings for indoor volleyball, yeah, for I don't know soccer, for pick any one of the mid-level sports, yeah. you can't go all the way down to team handball. Well, because you have to have stars, and beach volleyball had stars that they could follow and do stories about and that were gold medal favorites. They had stars that won the gold medal to yes, start with, and they know. had stars that were the gold medal favorites that delivered two more times. That's the huge thing for them, because what, what happens is, and I don't know if, you, if you've noticed this, maybe our viewers have, leading into the Olympic Games, there's a lot of push for 10 athletes, maybe. Yeah, just like maybe it's five athletes. To market it. Right? Yep. If that athlete fails to perform, you, they they just fade away. It's not mentioned. It's not covered that they didn't perform. It just fades away. It just goes to gray. It's like you're watching the program on your TV and it just goes to black. Yeah. And there it's gone. What happened for volleyball, the genius of what happened or the happenstance, mm -hmm. the delivery by Misty and Carrie, mm -hmm. was that they won the gold. Mm -hmm. And that was great. But then more importantly, they came back for the next cycle mm -hmm. when all the buildup was there, all the stardom, all the Today Show appearances, all the marketing materials, all the giant posters, all the life-size life size plus of Carrie and Misty, and they won it again. Yep. That made the sport. It made them, too, but that made the sport. Yeah, and NBC saw that, to their credit, but the athletes still had to deliver. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Misty and Carrie delivered, yep. and that was huge. And you see sometimes huge. the fail on that. What were those track and field brothers? I can't remember their names. Like Not uh, brothers, Dan and Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one didn't even qualify. They, yeah, didn't even make the Olympics. They're That's brothers right. from another mother. One's black, one's white. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Dan O'Brien made it. Dave, whatever his last name was. But like they had huge marketing behind them. Nike, Reebok. Like, oh, Reebok. Yeah, Reebok. Yeah. See, I'm all confused on it. They're white, they're both black. I'm all <laughs> I just remember them. I remember that big build-up, and I remember they yeah. didn't deliver. And not that everybody's going to win the gold every time, but that dude didn't even make the Olympics. He didn't even qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he no-hided on something. Yeah, so as an athlete, you can become a... Or maybe NBC, it was Dan that no-hided. Uh, somebody on the chat board figured it out. NBC can make you a star, but you still have to deliver as an athlete. Look at all the NBA players that 
were the next Jordan. Harold Miner. Yeah. You win a dunk contest, pumping up your Reebok pumps. Right. No, that, no that's D, Hardaway. I'm sorry, I don't feel welcome. Or D Brown. D Brown. D Brown. <laughs> you have had I, a rough week, I Jeremy. I told you. It's, just, it's not going to be pretty. Harold Miner played for the Heat. He went yep. about 6'2". I sat him at Cheesecake Factory back in the But he could jump 90s. out of his super athletic. But that's what super I'm saying. Like, that's all he could do, though. The athlete still has to deliver. Yeah, there were several the next Jordans before you had Kobe, LeBron, and so on. Um, and also, beach volleyball has delivered a medal in the Olympics ever since it was an Olympic sport. True. Helps that the United States basically invented the sport. Correct. Not basically, did. Correct. Invent Although the sport. Brazil might get upset about that, but it's the truth. No, I mean, volleyball started here. Oh, no, I know, Kevin. You know the history? I do. I'm well aware. In, I just know that they... Inventor of volleyball. They, I have no idea. <laughs> it's Naismith's BFF. <laughs> William G. Morgan. There you go. They, I don't know if they were BFFs. They were friends. They were compatriots. They were... They were contemporaries. Pen, they were pen pals. <laughs> <laughs> it would be quill pals back then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you are my quill pal. <laughs> Sounds so strange. Uh, I got your letter five weeks after you sent it. <laughs> From two towns away. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, NBC, star maker. But, it, they are. Athlete the ha- maker. but the athlete has to deliver. The athlete or the sport has 14. to deliver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and that's been the nice confluence for beach volleyball. For sure. And you'll see it carry forward in the next Olympics. And it's the, I don't know if I can say this, but it's at least top three most popular sport in the summer games because they sell out faster than any other sport does in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what it is, though? That's not, I don't think ticket sales are just the sport. Oh, I agree. There's so much more to it. coverage. It's the atmosphere that are at these matches. It's the atmosphere. Especially in London. Way better. For sure. Listen, I've been to, I think, at least 75% of Olympic events mm-hmm. I have been to mm-hmm. at one of the last four Olympic games that I've attended as an athlete or broadcaster. Yep. As far as atmosphere goes, beach volleyball is great with the music and the partying and everything else. You know what else is really, really good? Indoor. Indoor volleyball. Yeah, yeah. And I, the fans. But Exactly. But I don't know how this happened because, and I, I said this before, I think, on this program, is that... Bikinis. Well, no, it's not bikinis because indoor, nobody wears bikinis. Well, I thought, sorry, I thought you were about to say something. You don't understand why volleyball beach was more popular than indoor. And I was going to answer no. the question for you. No, not at all. Um, I, I, I understand, and I said I, I would love to see six-man beach as a regular tournament event. Not costume six-man. I'm talking in the Olympics? Sunday morning six-man. No, Olympics. as a professional spectator oh, oh, sport. Oh, I'm with you. As a, as a spectator entity, because you take the best of both. You take the complexity and possibility of six-on-six, six, Yep. along with the atmosphere of being at the beach, which is way more fun than being under light, uh, incandescent lights. Correct. And you merge them together, and particularly for the men's game, it slows the men's game down just enough that it's very entertaining. It's, it's better, I think. As far as the defensive plays that get made, the transition plays, the, the craziness that happens, when you have two very good six-man volleyball teams on the beach, it is a great watch. That would be fun to watch. It is really, would, really good. I would actually pay money to see that. Sunday morning not at the six-man. A lot of people would. But, um, Sunday morning at the six-man is yeah, great. Yeah. But, but let me make my point about indoors at the Olympic Games. Yep. I didn't know 
I didn't notice at all in Sydney or at all in Greece because I don't think it existed. And in Beijing, it didn't exist either. London, for some reason, some group of people decided that at indoor volleyball, they were going to start showing up in costume. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And it was it was like it was a circus every day. Who are we going to find? Is Scooby-Doo going to be here? Where's Waldo? Is the guy from Bulgaria going to wear the giant cardboard thing with the wings that he made himself? How you, did he get it in here? You had like 300 Matt Garhoffs. Yes. Nice. And, and 300 is no exaggeration. Oh, I know. It was unbelievable. We were searching the crowd, and there were costumes everywhere. And I, did, I went to other events then. I didn't realize it was just indoor volleyball that had this phenomenon going on. I hope it continues. no one's really dressing up, other than like maybe their country colors. Right. But like Scooby-Doo's not showing up to a Quidditch match. You don't have four guys. I said Quidditch, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> New Olympic event held only in London games. It, I, 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 you don't have superheroes showing up. We had, Correct. Well, unless you, the athletes consider themselves the superheroes. <laughs> John Rosenthal was not an interval. He is. Gotcha. We had, we had like somebody being Batman, Superman, and Green Lantern. And there was like three friends that came to the match. I just <laughs> why was Green Lantern there? I don't know. <laughs> His movie was awful. His movie was bad. I I don't understand how that got started, and I don't really care. But thank you, whomever started that, whoever decided that that would be a thing. Thank you, and make it happen in Brazil, please. Oh, I feel like Brazil will. I would like to be at the Brazil. Not working. I just want to be there. They could have a forty thousand seat arena in volleyball and probably sell it out in either discipline. I agree. The only thing I don't like about all that stuff is it makes my job here in the United States harder because they see it in the Olympics and they think that can happen here. It's not going to happen here. No. 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 First of all, it's the Olympics. Secondly, it's country versus country. That, so there's two huge that's always drivers. My, that's always my big – like you saw yeah. even – I don't remember. You were there during the week in Long Beach. Maybe it was Thursday. Yeah. Just the atmosphere in the fans was more energetic because it is country versus country. Right. That's I mean, that's the bottom line. And the vibe is there. The the international vibe is there. Correct. It's very cool. Uh, yeah. Good comment on the chat board. Brazil is going to blow the doors off of indoor. No oh, doubt. For sure. If you in the United States have never had an opportunity to experience a Brazilian indoor volleyball match, basically it goes like this. Your arena seats 10,000. The match is at 10 a.m. There are 15,000 people showing up for 10,000 seats. Love it. They let 13,000 people in the building. Awesome. They grab the fire marshal, wrap him in duct tape, and stuff him in a closet. <laughs> let another thousand people in. Then tell the thousand people remaining outside, sorry. And then they riot while everyone else watches the Perfect. match. So you get to your broadcaster seat and there are fans sitting there because they think they've purchased tickets for those seats. Yeah, they're at least standing right behind you. Did you see, and we'll tie this back into volleyball, but I was watching Real Sports and they were talking Love that show. about the Seattle professional soccer team, I can't remember the name. Sounders. Sounders. That they average, I think they said 14,000 fans. And the average in MLS is like, they like doubled it almost. Yeah. Now, full disclosure, I'm not feeling great, so don't quote me on any of those numbers. (laughs) It it could not even be soccer or in Seattle. Yes, exactly. But they have like, they have like a march to the game, so they march right down whatever streets there are it's in, in Seattle. It's in downtown. So, it's a yeah. huge, like, it's a huge to-do. Like, people are cheering and banging drums the entire time. And ownership, the discussion on the show was kind of like, obviously they were talking about it, but then could, would that work for other 
teams in the league? Could you do that in other cities? And getting back to the volleyball thing, I don't. I think it's difficult to put it all together. Like Seattle, it works because the arena's downtown. It has all the bars and stuff next to it, and you can walk through the town, and everybody's cheering and yelling and having a good time and happy about it. But I don't. You couldn't do that in Los Angeles. No, because first of all, any stadium is just going to be in a crappy part of town. Correct. You're not going to have restaurants and cool places to hang out and hipsters to uh, to be there. But the fact that they're sitting outside the box, Seattle Sounders. Yeah. Um, and Jay, yes, Chivas is bringing in lots of fans. I've been to a Galaxy game this year. There's a full section where people are just banging drums and banners and stuff like that. It's just one section. It's not like the entire stadium. I went to Milan versus Empoli in Italy. Mm-hmm. They had road flares. Legit, like legit road flares. Road flares. Yeah. And where we were sitting on one side, we were behind like a chain fence in yeah. the stands. Yeah. And yeah, they lit the field on fire at one point. You yeah. look over, somebody threw a road flare down on the field, and the field is now on fire. Literally on fire. Yes. Yeah. Not figuratively. No. Burning. Actual fire. Yes. Need a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Stop, <laughs> drop, and roll. It was unbelievable. Yeah. No, I, I think the one thing you're missing, though, that, that people always miss when they when they look at some of these rabid sports things, yeah, that's an organic deal. That's the thing, and that's where forcing those kind of things to force excitement, or what I like to call fake fire. Um, like sometimes when we're asked, like on the AVP, like Dustin, oh, can we get the crowd going? You can, but you can't do it for eight straight hours. And you can't fake it too. If the match is boring, the fans know it's boring. We know it's boring. It's just it could be 90 degrees outside. The player, it's a slow match because the players are taking their time. You cannot fake energy, right? Or if you do, they're not going to be there for you when you need them in the finals and for TV. And even then, if the match, like so much, is reliant on the how good the match is, like doing Clippers games. Bottom line. Yeah, doing Clippers games, if it's a tight, close game, the fans are going to lose their minds. The next game, we could be up by 20. I could play the same exact music, and it's not going to matter because the energy of the game is different, and that's actually why people are there for the game, not for anything else. In the end, the game matters. Correct. Even with all the distractions. Correct. With the, the Cheetos chip race. <laughs> Correct. With the, the hot dog race in Milwaukee, yep. or the bratwurst race, it, that doesn't matter. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm all for that. You need the entertainment value of it. Like Fans want to be yeah. entertained. Yeah, especially when the game is boring. But like, the game sucks. Something sucks. else. Correct. There's only so much you can do. You can't get as excited about a good Fritos chip race as you can <laughs> about a really good basketball game. Correct. And, and that's good. That's a nice thing. Yep. I'm not even sure where to go from here. Where 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 we've gone here? We're talking. We're just talking sports, Kevin. I want to know about Thursday evening. So you're going to have a match on Thursday evening. This match is already one set to none and 11-10 in the second. Correct. This is going to be like 20 minutes. Who will be there? I will. Because <laughs> I'm going to watch. I like. I want Justin. to be there. I want to be there to watch it. Like I'm not going to be playing music for them. This will be 15 people, right? Which is fine. I don't. They don't need it. They. They. Jake and Casey would play that finals right now in Irvine. On a hard court, yeah. If that's where they had to finish the final, with nobody there. Casey popping and locking <laughs> to himself. To himself. Nick Lucena sprinting around the court by himself. By himself. All right. Yeah. All so right. I'll be there. 
that's going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to be a raging finals, Kevin, but they want to they want to win it. My question is, do like do you get the check right away? Like, will there be a big check and like you can take it right to Wells Fargo and deposit it? Are we in Happy Gilmore territory now? Yeah, I want a big check. You know yeah. those big checks. Yep. <laughs> do you have to if you have a giant check? Do you have to make a giant signature? Yeah. It has to fill up that whole space. What if you're trying to do it with the teller outside? How do you get that check in the small bulletproof window? When was the last time you went to a teller outside? I don't know. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> with the old the, with the old tube? Yeah. <laughs> with the Elon Musk tube? That's what Elon Musk is proposing, that we travel on those kinds of tubes. Love it. It's going to be interesting. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. No, Sean Manzi... We're not missing things to say. We're just waiting for you to call in and tell us what your pitch was to Nicole Davis. He said he emailed us. Check the email. Okay. I'll check it out. I hope he put a disclaimer on there whether we can talk about it on air or not. All right. The Net Live on a Monday for once. At the correct time. Not 10 p.m. No, not Sorry 10 Sorry about that, everybody. We will be right back. Kevin and Jeremy carrying it through. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I like the play. No doubt. Play on, play at Play on, play at Yo, street drops the verse. Shorty is down, good luck. Baby got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much ground, got game by the pound. Getting paid is a forte. Each and every day, true play away. I can't get her out of my mind wow. I think about the girl all the time wow. East side to the west side Pushing fat rides, it's no surprise She got tricks in the stash Stacking up the cash Fast when it comes to the gas <laughs> By no means average As long as she's got to have it Baby, you're a perfect 10 I wanna get in Can I get down so I can <laughs> I like the way you work it, no diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it, no diggity. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it, no diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it, no diggity. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Get up. She's got class and style. She knowledge by the power. Hey, yo, hey. 
the way you work it. No diggity. I thought the bag. Yeah, it You're going way back here, Jeremy. You're going back into my college days here. I almost unmuted you during the break because you were singing. Yeah, so wouldn't be good for anybody to hear it. <laughs> wouldn't be good for anybody. You know, the strange thing is, the louder I turn the music up, the better I sing. Of course. Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Mag. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll get to more volleyball in a minute. But uh, Jeremy, I just finished watching The Wire. I finished season five. I've gone through all sixty hours. I think it is that. Uh, all five seasons. Five seasons, 60 hours of The Wire. And if you haven't seen The Wire, I had heard about The Wire for years, that it was that it was that good. I finally got it on iTunes. I think it was 20 bucks a season. And uh, $100 well spent, no doubt, as far as entertainment for dollar value. Dude, what a great series. What a great series. The thing I liked about it, and when I try to explain to people who hadn't seen it, the show is really about the city of Baltimore. Not necessarily about one character. Right. And it made that apparent at the end. What did you think about the ending? So so the main character, McNulty, the cop, is looking out over a highway, basically, out over the, the view of the of the downtown. The harbor. And, uh, and he, he starts flashing to all the stuff that's going on now, all the future. And the thing that struck me is here you have it just continuing. Same role. Oh, yeah. Different people. Yeah. You could do that show today and it'd be the same. Then from where you started. Yep. Just different characters. Looking out over West Baltimore. Yep. It was, uh, it was a really well done show. If if people haven't seen it yet, I would recommend it. I highly recommend it. Somebody asked, have you seen Dexter? So, yeah, I, I watched Dexter for a couple seasons. It kind of faded out. I was way into it a couple I'm not seasons caught up though. yet. Like it. I like yeah. the show. I like the newsroom. Basically anything, well, I know newsroom, uh, Dexter's on Showtime, but if HBO puts out a series, I will give it a chance, because they've done pretty well for me so far. Emmy, Emmys were on last night, TV Emmys. I watched a little bit of it. Sons of Anarchy, another good one. Love the show. I uh, I have two episodes on the DVR that I have not watched yep. yet, because I finally caught New up. season. Yeah, I finally caught up before this season. That one's available on, on Netflix, so watch that. Newsroom, I like the newsroom. I haven't watched that yet. Everyone loves Homeland. I haven't seen that. It's on Showtime. Okay, people love Homeland. Trying to think of what else I won't miss. House of Cards. Everyone raves about House of Cards. I like Cards. that. It was a well done show as well. I want to watch that one. I haven't watched the other one. Orange is the New Black. Orange is on the Netflix. New Black. Okay, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Or I haven't watched that one yet. Here's my one problem with Netflix and their shows. Here's I can't. Problem. I can't take them with me. Why not? Well, I'm on. Do you have an iPad? Yeah, but I can't save stuff. What does that mean? It won't let me download it so I can watch it on the airplane. So I can't take House of Cards with me on the airplane. Oh, I see what you're saying. Now, my neighbor has it, I think. But when you're in your hotel room. If I paid for upgraded web service, if it's possible, which I will. Can we talk about why when I stay in crappy hotels, I have free internet. (laughs) But when I stay at a nice hotel, it's $15 a day. I uh, I don't understand, Kevin. uh, You know how much money they're making on that? Because whatever it costs them to put Wi-Fi in the whole hotel... They've already made their money back in the first day of renting it to everybody. Just put it in my bill. Yeah. Just I don't even want to see it. Just charge my company fifteen more dollars. I don't want to see it. If you're the Hilton, you should have good. And, and what's worse is they charge you fifteen bucks and then it's slow. Like God, you are you're the W. Yeah. Unless you're a member of their Motel Six has figured this out. That's what I'm saying. Why haven't you? I don't know. <laughs> 
because most people are business travelers there, and they figure that their company's going to pay for it anyway, so I can charge you. I'm even okay with getting charged. Just make it good. I, yeah. I'm with your point. I've I've made that point at yeah, yeah. the hotel, and sometimes it gives you free internet. You're like, why am I paying $14 a day You're like, see that when I'm paying $350 a night for your hotel? See that Best Western across the street there? Yeah. They'll charge me half your room rate and give me twice the amenities. Why is that? Yeah. And they go, ah, we'll give you the internet. <laughs> yeah. So my week this week, the reason I did not have time to play Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. is because I went out and shot real weapons. That's actually kind of scary. First time I've ever shot handguns in my life. Addicting? No. A little, a little scary. It was for me. Addicting? Yeah. Really? Yep. You do it now? I do not. Do you have one? No. And that's why. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, to answer all those questions because no. Someone next to me was shooting off. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was uh, an M16. Uh-huh. Or some sort of uh, military-grade rifle. Really loud. Dude, like, blow your hair back loud from two booths away. And I had on double ear protection. I could still hear it quite loudly, but it was like the concussion blast would shake my eyeglasses. Oh, gotcha. I cannot imagine what it's like to actually be in a firefight with oh, no, these no, things no, going no, off. No. Uh-uh. Like AK-47s mm-hmm. and something. Bah, bah, bah. Just... Unbelievable. Like you're in the military in the middle of a firefight and bombs are going off and machine right. guns are going off next to your head? Yeah. No. So if you're one of these bozos that thinks because you play Call of Duty you'd be a real good soldier? Uh-huh. No. Because I'm good at a video game means I'm going to be a good soldier. <laughs> there are people that think that way, though. Kind of like you with Grand Theft Auto. You've been out well, I'd be rolling ex- Redondo Beach stealing cars and stuff. I'd be an excellent criminal. I don't know what I don't know what your point is there. Check your Facebook page. I'm working I think on Sean it. sent you a message there. It it better have a transcript of uh of his conversation. That's all I'm saying. We got an interesting message on the Facebook page. It may have been a month ago at this point. I feel like it's been a long time and I feel bad because I forgot about the topic. But they were asked it was a fan, somebody I know was complimenting us on our show and happy that we're in the volleyball world, but what can fans do to help the sport? And I gave it lots of thought, Kevin. And you're smiling like a goof over there. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm reading something <laughs> from Sean. I'm sorry. I wasn't even listening. No, it's fine. I'll just keep talking to everybody. Yeah, keep going. I'm, I'm managing our guests yes. later here. And I gave it a lot of thought, like, what could fans do to help the sport not only beach volleyball, but volleyball in general in the United States. And I will not claim to have all the answers, and I will not claim to be right and or wrong. But I feel people like what Matt Gardhoff is doing helps the sport because he's doing things without people asking him to do it. He's dressing up. He's making giant-sized heads of our athletes, carrying them around. The athletes are using them. You have a fat reed head in your garage. I do. And that is definitely supporting the sport, and nobody has asked Matt Gardhoff to do that. Like, he's, I'm a big fan. I'm just going to do that on my own. Now, not everybody is like that. I am not a dress-up type person, yell and scream and cheer. Like, I'm more of a silent motivator, Kevin. Mm-hmm. That's how I roll. <laughs> I don't know. What, this is the chat board. I don't know what the chat board is showing me right now. What is that link? And why she's shooting a gun? We have hot German women shooting large weaponry. This was the gun range you were at? 
is the gun range I'm going to this week. I love how I'm on a serious topic, and you were watching half-naked women shoot big machine guns. <laughs> this our fans. And it's completely stopping your your, your fans are totally totally tuning out. Right now. Um, that's why you need the chat board experience. Yes, I think the as far as the fans go, the best way for you to support the sport is. Like with all other sports, you have to support the sponsors. Not just the tour sponsors, but the players' sponsors as well. Um, You can obviously do other things besides monetarily supporting the sport. But if you are a fan of the AVP, you're buying Wilson volleyballs. If you are a fan of Casey Patterson, you're buying Rockwell watches. If you like April Ross, you're going to buy the Mizuno beach gear line that's coming out pretty soon from what I understand. Like those are ways to support the sport. And also word of mouth is the best form of advertising. If you if you're a big fan of volleyball, like if you wanted to come to the Long Beach event or you want to come to Santa Barbara this weekend, tell your friends about it who are not necessarily volleyball fans and go, let's make a weekend of it. Because I guarantee you anytime somebody sees beach volleyball in person for the first time, they're gonna love it. I've never met anybody that's come to a beach volleyball event that was like, oh, I didn't like that. That's just not going to happen. And if they do, I don't want them there anyway. <laughs> Great. Great. Now we're alienating. Yeah, now I'm alienating people. But it's like those are the things, and, there's, and those are all small things that go a long way. And it's not – and by you doing that, let's say one person does that, that's not going to make make or break the sport. But those are the small things that have to happen over years for it to maintain. That's how, I mean, how do you think all of these NFL, NBA guys, like everybody's buying the LeBron James shoe because it's LeBron James. So that's kind of what you need to do when Casey Patterson is sponsored by Rockwell Watches. You go buy Rockwell Watches. Yeah, because companies are increasingly looking for that return on investment. And they're going to see, oh, Casey is showing his watch. He's playing in his watch. He's showing in his photos. Right. And we are seeing fans either go to our website, they can track the traffic. They can see when it comes in. Oh, did it come in after a finals match that Casey Patterson and Jake Gibber in because we saw Casey there. Um, I love Rockwell watches, by the way. They're nice. They can be a sponsor of the show if they want. Yeah, they can. <laughs> um, but another thing, and I keep, I've been talking to players about this this year, is that some of them need to do more. And whether it's just benefits them or just benefits the sport in general. Um, like we've had people on the show, they're like, oh, I don't go after sponsors. I just let my play do the talking, which is fine. But you're not going to get as many sponsors as somebody who's going out there making it happen. Not everybody's Albert Hanneman, though. That's true. And not everybody's Casey Patterson with his personality. Like People are going to be drawn to that. They could be at court three and hear some guy yelling on court one, like, what is that? And they go over there and they see Casey, and they're like, oh, I want to be involved in that. Yeah. Because he's going to bring more eyes to it. Not that everybody needs to do what Casey does. Not everybody is that person. Yeah. But there can be more, and it's more the lower-level players that I've heard say this. They're like, they're like, what can the sport do for me? The sport can do a lot for you, but you need to help the sport as well. It's not just Are we on, having a Kennedy moment? Yeah. It's Ask not not what your sport can do for you, but exactly. what you can do for it's it. It's not just on management. It's not just on ownership to promote the sport. Players need to do it on their own, too. 
and players need to, even if it's, even when the indoor team is here, beach players can be like, hey, if you like volleyball, go check out their practice, go check out their scrimmage, tune into the net live, things like that. Yeah, the players. If you're not, if you're not going to promote yourself, nobody's going to promote you. Correct. Right. I, I mean, that's just the way it is. But I was very encouraged that somebody hit us up on our Facebook page, and they literally said, "What more can we do?" This is the way you need to think. Correct. And as opposed to us, like browbeating people on the show, like, "Oh, you guys need to do this, need to do that," because that's not. That's not an organic thing. Like, you like the sport of volleyball. Obviously, you play it. I play it. I have fun. I enjoy it. I get friends of mine who would only watch volleyball every four years. Now are more invested in it because I'm involved and they know about it. I'll get text messages during the week. Right. Oh, who's in the finals this week? How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. But then sometimes, like, they'll tell me, like, oh, they were watching the match. And they're not necessarily volleyball fans, but they are now because they've been to a live event or because I'm involved talking about it. But, like, I let my family know about all this stuff that don't watch it on TV and are not going to. But because I'm involved, they're now more invested. And that's, you know, 20, 30 more fans that are there now that were there before. That's all you brought was 20 fans? Jeremy. Family. I thought you had... Family. Oh, oh, family. You have no fans, just family. Correct. (laughs) Yeah... I don't know. We we can jump up. We've covered this territory over and over about what fans in the sport need to do. Correct. But I was happy that a fan reached out and said, what more can we do? Tell your friends. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Tell your friends. It's word of mouth. Sean, can we read this? <laughs> that's that's what I want to know. Sean, you got to tell us. Did he really reach out to this. Nicole Davis? I've got the letter right here. Did she shut him down? I don't know. Did she shut I wanna, him down? I want to know what the response was. He said, like, sure. Said, sure. Right on. Here we go. Here we go. Should we set it up? So Sean Manzi fan of this show, was on the chat board when we had Nicole Davis on. A few weeks ago? A month yeah, ago? A month ago, more. And we asked Nicole if she was single and available. And that, by that we... his question. By we, you mean you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, no, if just there's... the way it came across. Okay, Jeremy, if there's dirty work to be done on the show... <laughs> you do it. I am the one doing it. Yeah. So... I do it behind the scenes. We asked Nicole if she was single and available. She indicated she was both <laughs> single and available. And so we tried to set up a uh, a libero love match. Sean Manzi reached out to Nicole with the following letter. Dated the 17th of September. Dear Nicole, in lieu of TNL calling me out this week about asking you out on a date, I'd like to formally extend the offer. <laughs> now she hates us and will never be back on the show. Here are some qualities about myself I feel are fantastic, and my mom says I'm cool too. Favorite hobbies include... Digging nails. What? Digging nails. Oh, okay. That would be a yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm with you. That's a libero joke. Way to open with libero humor. Sports, jumping really high on a woman's net, and the color green. I'm 28 and 5'6 with a receding hairline. Some ambitions I have in life are to be 30 under 30, win a national championship as a coach, and to have a pasta named after me. Nice. What is to be 30 under 30? What does that mean? And the fact, does she like the color green? Like, was that his selling point? Like, I like green, and so do you, so we should be together? I hope you have enjoyed this terse resume of my fantasticness. If you talk to Kevin, Kevin, tell him the date went well, Sean. Also, I'm being highly satirical. So, did this get any... Oh, it's an ABCA thing. Did this get, uh, did this get any traction? No response. 
That was on the 17th. It's only a few days ago. Yeah. Maybe she's been busy. Well, she does train with the national team still, Sean. Give it life. She was at the USC game. The only reason I know that is because so was April Ross, and they had a photo of a little reunion. Oh. All right. So I love it, Sean. Good job. Hey. Kudos. Yeah. Worse, he's If she says no or doesn't respond, he's in no worse position than he was before he sent that. No. No, that's just trying to make a love connection. It's just reaching out across the volleyball universe. That's yeah, nothing that wrong. Is. Nothing wrong with that. Bravo, Sean. Five six. With a receding hairline. It happens. <laughs> now, can Sh- I? I don't know Sean, but like, can Sean like? My hair is not where it used to be, but I can make my hair look cool. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, like just because it's receding doesn't mean like you can't make it look good. Well, like, way to put the truth out there, though. I don't say you have like a healthy head of hair. I do not have. All of my hair I had when I was younger, correct. You've got Widow's Peak going. No, I've always had that. But you're, are you maintaining your hair? Yeah, my hair's fine. What's your mom's dad look like? My mom, full head of hair. Full head. You're all good. Yeah. No, I'm fine. Okay. There's some more gray in my hair. I see a little inside there. That just makes you look credible. <laughs> I unfortunately look incredible, not credible. <laughs> hey yo that's funny I'll be here till Thursday actually I won't I'll be out of here tomorrow because I am going to do a Pac-12 match tomorrow Pac-12 conference play getting underway tomorrow Utah and Colorado as we swing this giant ship the NetLive USS NetLive back to volleyball Salt Lake going to be in Salt Lake City nice. opportunity to watch Utah and I'm excited to see Utah this year I think Beth Lanier, who had tremendous success when it, when she was in the Big West or Mountain West or whatever, uh, her team her teams were always good. Mm-hmm. She's been in the Pac-12. I think this is the third season. Of course, I don't have to know that till tomorrow. Uh, she she's doing a good job, I think, of raising the level of that team. They were a physical team that you did not want to play at the end of last year, and I'm predicting that this year you're not going to want to play them if you're one of the upper echelon teams. I think Utah is going to pick some people off. They already showed that. They went five with BYU. Mm-hmm. It's their only loss here in non-conference play. BYU then turned around and beat San Diego. Okay. So uh, I think Utah is a very good team. And, and as I go down the Colorado roster, I am surprised that Colorado finished 10th last year. They had injury to their best attacker, but they have some good young talent on that team. I'm interested to see Colorado for the first time because I did not see them at all last year and see uh, how they're handling some of that young talent. I think it's going to be a good match. It's going to be on Pac-12 Network tomorrow night uh, from Salt Lake City. I think you should check it out. And things are getting underway with the women's volleyball season. What time tomorrow, Pac-12? Uh, I think it's 7 p.m. Okay. Pacific. I'm not, not – don't quote me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> My bad, everybody. Quote me on that one. Look it up. Your DVR knows what time it is. I just know what time I have to be at work. So, And I don't even know that yet. So definitely uh, check out the Pac-12 season as it gets underway and conference play gets underway nationwide this week. Let's swing back to the national team for a second, Jeremy, because yep. Norseka is over for the women. Yep. Getting underway today for the men. But Norseka is over for the women. And the women wrapped up the gold medal at Norseka in Omaha with a 3-1 victory over the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Pretty... Uh, Pretty well what people expected for the United States to dominate that event. Um, I, it's pretty much what 
I thought would happen. But we're starting to get some of, uh, I think, a little bit more of a picture of the team. I'm, I've been impressed with the stats of Kelly Murphy this year. She was MVP of this tournament, played extremely well throughout the tournament, 18 points, led uh, the United States, uh, not all scores because uh, De La Cruz of Dominican had 22, but 18 points, led the United States. Kelly Murphy, uh, most valuable player and tournament's best spiker. You also had uh, best server from Jordan Larson Burbach and Alicia Glass was named best setter. Nice. So Alicia Glass continuing to improve. Uh, she's kind of been up and down to the early part of her career, but she so far is having a nice season. Uh, but Kelly Murphy, the Murph, pride of Wilmington, Illinois, is playing extremely well. Um, she's really doing a nice job. No service errors, one ace, 12 attempts, which tells you they were scoring on her serve. Nice. And uh, let's see, 36 total attacks, 15 kills, hit 420. Wow. That's a pretty nice day. Now, now, are they, was this the conclusion of their, like, four-month road trip that they were on? No, that was Grand Prix. Oh, okay. This was now Norseka. They had a few weeks off, and this Norseka event happened. This is the qualification for Grand Champions Cup, which will happen in November in Japan. Gotcha. And important that you qualify for that, because then you go over to Japan, you get these good matches with the national team. Yeah. Plus, you get a break from being in Europe. Correct. If you're uh, overseas playing. So, uh, good performances there. Hildebrandt started outside along with uh, Jordan Larson Burbach, and then you had uh, Gibbemeyer in the middle. You had Cassie Lickman coming in and her logging some time. Kayla Banwarth was at Libero. Lauren Paolini played at middle as well. She had 11 points. That's a nice result. Uh, United States did a good job in this match. They won 19 24, so 26 24. Then they lost the third set 20. 521 came back and won 2519 in the fourth. I'm looking for the blocking numbers here. Yeah, they outblocked Dominican 12-7. That's about right, I think, for the United States. Hitting numbers fairly close. Teams hitting 32 and 34%. Uh the United States receiving the ball better by about uh 20%. That helps to run the offense. Who's battling for the setter position on the national team right now? It's a good question. Uh, I, I think Alicia Glass is a natural choice uh-huh. for that spot, uh, but there's I've seen a bunch of other names on the roster. I'm gonna look at who the backup setter was at this event. Where's the other setter here? Oh, Haglund. That's right. Jennifer Jenna Haglund has put herself in this list. She's out of University of Washington. You also, oh, Courtney Thompson still around the gym. Yep. Um, Question will be next year because mm-hmm. she came in for a couple of weeks. Yep, uh, will be. Um, I'm, I'm missing. I'm I'm failing on the vine here, Jeremy. Sorry, right, did, did I get your disease already? Zindor, I'm not gonna help you out. Nothing. I got nothing for you. Oh my gosh, I think there's a bunch of players <laughs> that they could be on this list. <laughs> this is not our best show. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Just throw it. Just you know what? Maybe just delete the show now. Just turned off. Delete the show. Oh, jeez. Spicer? Well, I think Spicer might be in that list. Yeah, there, there's a bunch of... Girl from uh, Cal? Yeah, Girl from Cal, uh, whose name is also escaping me. I don't know. Duggan. Whatever. Nobody's listening anymore anyways. I'm not broadcasting the USA Women, so... Uh, so, is it safe to say at this point you think Karch's stint as the head coach is going pretty well? Carly Lloyd, thank you. 
KCBB. Uh, I think so. Canyon College, by the way. It's not near Uganda. <laughs> not near Uganda. Um, yeah, you'd have to give Karch an A, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give him an A on the season. Yeah. Um, Lizzie Berg might be in that list. That's right. Bergie says she's going to be back. Uh, there's plenty of competition. I think that the interesting thing about this gym is that there's plenty of competition at every position. You, you can't just say setter. It's it's every. Place. So at this point, because like you said, like you you feel like you can almost field three national teams with who's in the gym. So at this point, definitely you, two in the top ten. At this point, are you looking for chemistry between the players? Like this, a person could be the best outside hitter, but their chemistry with the setter isn't that great. But this person may not be the best outside here, but their chemistry with whatever setter is really good, and we get more points that way. Like, are you looking for chemistry at this point? Because obviously everybody in the gym can play. Not right now. You don't need to do that yet. Two years in, uh -huh. team composition, I think, plays a bigger role. Okay. Right now, I think one of the biggest things is potential. Okay. Potential for the future. So you have two years to look at potential, feed that potential, try out that potential, and those kinds of things before you really get into a point where you have to play a certain person. Even as much on the men's side, though, I feel like the men's side, you're definitely looking more potential at this point. I feel like the women's side, don't you know a lot of what these girls bring to the table already? Some of the older ones. Yeah. Yeah, but some of the younger ones, no. And by older, we're talking like 30. Yeah, and you, <laughs> but you don't know how good they're going to be. If you're 30, Correct. you ought to still be improving if you're on that team. For sure. So I think you have two years to look at potentially who's going to be better. Then you need to start working on those roles, whether it be team dynamics, whether it be technical roles, whatever it is. Yeah. You got to work on that. So I would divide it up that way. My job, I would divide it up that way. I would manage people for a couple of years, yeah. work on potential for a couple of years, and then go ahead and deal with, Good all right, chemistry stuff. here comes construction of my team for okay. two years. I'm with you. So Kelly Murphy taking advantage of the opportunity. Uh, Hildebrandt, what'd she hit here? I'm looking at what she hit percentage. Eh, 320, not bad. I think she needs to make fewer errors sometimes. I think she needs to be a little more terminal sometimes. Okay. Uh, and a little bit that I've seen her. I'm not in the gym every day, but just a little bit that I've seen. I don't see these matches all the time either. But I really like the the, the athletic potential of of Jordan Larson and... Uh, Hildebrandt out there. I yeah. really like that potential. I feel like we're seeing uh, Baby Jesus' wife's name out there a lot. Well, it's just because you're listening to me. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I just I, I think they're more athletic than most everyone else I've seen. Now, whether that athleticism translates into actual stats, well, that's Karch's job and, and those guys. They, they'll figure that out. Yeah. But I, I like the athleticism of those two. That's that's where my potential argument comes in. You go two years and just play them. I think Jordan, you, you know a lot more about Jordan, but uh, with Hillebrand, you got to play her more and see if she can figure out some of the errors and some of the stuff, so if she can be a force. Yeah, of course. For the last two years, of course. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's gonna be interesting. Let's take one more break. We're gonna be right back with College Volleyball Weekly here on the Net Live. We're gonna have Deb and Brandon checking in as we have had, and we will also have Mark Sherman. Check in. He was at North Seca for the women. He will give us a boots on the ground report. Nice. 
Mm-hmm. Night Live, Kevin and Jeremy. We're right back. I'm going to play a song, and I hope you know who it is. It's his birthday today. I might sing along to this one. I doubt it. Come on, baby, see about me now, yeah. 
Welcome back to the Net Live here on Bubble Magazine. Big thanks to BBC as well as Bubble Mag for the support of this show. And Jeremy, I have no idea. Really? Really? I've heard the song. I just don't know. Uh, Ray Charles. Yes. Yes, I pulled it out. I, could I have guessed uh, Jamie Jamie Fox and been correct? No, it was not. <laughs> he did a good job singing though in that movie, didn't he? Yeah, Ray? he actually did a good job being Ray Charles in that movie. Yeah, he did a great job. You, however, I'm not a music guy, dude. Obviously, it's just the way it is. Yep. I talk. I don't sing. That was obvious before. If you turned on the <laughs> mic, everyone would know. I should have, because that would have been awesome. Yeah. Our guy, uh, Dr. Gervais, got a mention this week. I can't remember from where. Were you watching ESPN? What were you doing? God, I was watching something, and somebody credited the fact that he'd been working with Dr. Michael Gervais and that he was really improving. You know, it might have been college football. It might have been a quarterback in college football. That may have been what it was, like on a Saturday when I had something on. But someone had been working with him, and he got on-air credit. So congratulations, Dr. Gervais, on, uh, on getting a mention on national TV and doing your job well. Good for you. I'm impressed. We have our correspondence. Mm-hmm. Do it. Each week, we're pleased to bring you the ABCA College Volleyball Weekly here on the Net Live, an opportunity to talk about what happened in the last week and look forward to what is happening in the next week. Jeremy, this is just the way the show's going. That's fine. Please welcome in our correspondents, Brandon Rosenthal and Debs. Static. Are you guys there? Hello. Yeah, hi. We're here. All right, Brandon, I'm going to start you with the fact that you went two and two on your picks last week. We picked uh, Wichita Creighton, Florida, Florida State, Hawaii Creighton, and Texas, Nebraska. You went two and two. Deb went four and oh. It's kind of like when you're a senior and they bring in the hot young freshman and she just beats you out for your roster spot. She may have won the battle. I will win the war. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Hey, hey, great job by her. Props to her, but uh, this is still early in the season. Come on. I called out great matches. The head-to-head matchup kind of broke on this. The head-to-head matchup kind of broke on the Wichita-Creighton match, which was 3-2 for Creighton. It was a close one. And Creighton, boy, they played a couple of tight matches here, Deb. 3-2 against both Hawaii and Wichita State. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're doing a really, really good job um, with consistency this year. It seems like they're getting themselves or themselves into these five-set situations, and they're just not getting rattled. They're just kind of hanging with it, waiting for their opportunities to score, and then really taking advantage of them. So I think both of those could have gone either way, but they were doing a good job keeping their heads screwed on their shoulders on those ones. And Kelly Browning is just really impressing me at the net as a blocker, and not just in one game, but in match after match after match. So. She's kind of a player I'll be excited to see how she progresses and if she can turn into a real dominant force on that team this season. Brandon, we made a lot of San Diego and what they have done and what they had done. And so what do they do? They go out and lose to BYU 3-0. What the heck is going on? San Diego knocks off the number one the week before, makes a case to be number one, then goes out and loses to BYU? Come on. Yeah, it's going to be tough, too, because... You know, again, talking about reputation, and and BYU is no slouch by any means, but they're going to take a hit. And obviously we haven't seen the polls yet, uh, but I imagine they're going to drop probably, you know, because nobody else really lost. I bet you they drop eight to ten spots. And it's unfortunate that, you know, it 
they lost when they did, but uh, you know that's that's the whole thing. When you get to that top, you got to stay there, and uh, it gets harder and harder. You know, the closer you get to the uh, number one spot. So tough loss for them. No doubt that they'll rebound well, and uh, you know uh, might even run the tables. Good call yeah, by you. That they would... quick. Go ahead, Deb. Sorry. I think that that match kind of tells us, you know, it is a little bit telling about San Diego in that to stay at the top, they're going to need to start chalking up those consistent wins. But personally, I had kind of stopped paying attention to BYU other than kind of a, you know, bottom dweller of the top 25 maybe. I think after that match, we kind of saw a flash of what they can do this season. So I think that match for me was as indicative of what BYU has the potential for this season as maybe um, disappointing as it is for San Diego. Plus, you have to wonder about, you know, again, that's kind of the epitome of two different places. You've got mm-hmm. sea level and uh, high altitude. So, uh, uh, you know, you wonder how much that played into it, obviously, being at BYU. Oh, for sure. And it's especially, you know, everything is just compounded once you get to those elite teams. So every little thing can make such a difference in the team's performance any given night. So I'm sure that had something to do with it, but... You know, that being said, the truly great teams figure out ways to win even with that stuff. So I really do want to see how San Diego bounces back after this and kind of see if they deserve to be in that top ten consistently. Yeah, good point on the altitude. It does make a difference. Anyone who tells you otherwise uh, isn't isn't real clear <laughs> on what's been going on. They haven't really spent much time playing at altitude. I have playing in Colorado Springs, and it made a huge difference. Uh, Penn State stays at number one, new poll just out, and we'll get to your prediction here. Rosenthal, you're pretty close. Washington, number two, Florida, number three, Southern Cal, four. So a little bit of rotation there, really just taking out the two and moving everybody else up. Texas at six, Hawaii at seven, Stanford, or pardon me, Hawaii at six, Texas at five, Hawaii at six, Stanford at seven, San Diego all the way down to number eight. Then you have Minnesota and Michigan. That would be your top ten. UCLA, Nebraska, Ohio State, North Carolina, and Michigan State just outside there. But not a whole lot of changes. And I, I wonder with Penn State, we didn't really learn anything about them, Deb, did we, this week? They played Albany, Eastern Kentucky, and the really smart kids at Yale who apparently can't play volleyball. And that was nine <laughs> sets to none for Penn State. I, I, what's with the, the cream puff non-conference event there for uh, Penn State? Yeah, I mean, we had kind of talked about this the very first week that I had come on about the scheduling um, and kind of the thought process behind it. You know, Penn State's got a wicked Big Ten schedule coming up. I don't know if that plays in at all to what kind of seems like cakewalks that they've scheduled so far or if they're just that good that they're just blasting everybody out of the water. I mean, 25-6 in that last game against Yale, that's, that's impressive, but... I'm not sure if it's impressive because Yale was that bad or because Penn State was that good. So I think once they start hitting their conference games, you know, they start out with Michigan State and Michigan right out of the box. I think we're going to see really quickly whether or not their kind of cakewalk non-conference schedule is going to bite them in the butt as we start conference play or if they're just so good that it didn't even matter. I'll tell you what would have helped Yale. I'll tell you what would have helped Yale is if they had played the match at altitude. Those kids would have been able to calculate the angles much more quickly than the Penn Staters. <laughs> Definitely could have played in. Rosenthal. No, I was just going to say, this is this is a traditional schedule by Russ Rose, and I've actually heard him speak about this. 
uh, you know, going into the fourth weekend, in the weekend before conference play, it becomes one of those deals that uh, he wants to keep them fresh, but but he also wants to get them, you know, that opportunity to play a little bit, and uh, you know, this this allows him obviously. Eight six eight four against Albany and then uh twenty five six against Yale. Yeah, you're not getting a lot of challenge out there. I guess you're getting an opportunity to see your bench players and what they can do. Uh but you're not getting a lot of uh, a lot of feedback necessarily. But as Deb mentioned, we will get some feedback on them coming up in this next week. Uh give me some matches that you're gonna be watching this next week, guys. I think Washington, Oregon is one that I kind of have circled. Washington is one of my favorite teams right now. Right now, I I like the way they play. I think I think they have played a lot of a lot of good good teams and lots of big wins. Oregon, you know, they're still going through growing teams, adjusting that that offense. I think this one is going to be a good one, an exciting one, and a good indicator of where both of these teams kind of fall in that top ten tier of teams. I got to go with the the crosstown rivalry UCLA USC on Wednesday. Uh, it's at USC again. It's going to tell us a lot about these two teams. Uh, no doubt, you know we don't really have to talk about the rivalry. The rivalry is there. You know, one team that I would definitely want to talk about is North Carolina. North Carolina doing a great job picking up a three set win over. Illinois uh, this last weekend. They also have a in-state rivalry with North Carolina State and also uh, Notre Dame. So that's a that's a conference and, and a team that's really doing some big things. Uh, I I'm excited to see North Carolina. Uh, I saw them last year. They're a big physical team, uh, well coached with uh, Joe and Eve. And uh, you know, do some really nice things. Don't be surprised if North Carolina creeps up into the top ten relatively soon. I think this is a real team, and somebody, you know, this is a team that can go pretty far. Brandon, I wonder, and I'm just thinking about this kind of off the cuff. Haven't had an opportunity to look it up. I know the Pac-12 has won a lot of championships. I know the Big Ten has won a lot of championships. When are we going to see a team like the ACC? pick up a championship or another kind of odd conference uh, pick up an NCAA championship is women's volleyball going that direction where we're going to see other conferences challenge the traditional big powerhouses no doubt and I think that you know you've already seen the ACC really get involved obviously with Florida State you know you add the likes of Louisville that will be in there in a couple years and and you know with the shifting, I think it's bound to happen. You know, I think the ACC continues to load up. You know, there's been this battle between the ACC and the SEC and which one of them's kind of that next legitimate power conference. And, and for years it's been the SEC. But I think the ACC is really starting to kind of creep in and take a little bit more of a hold just because from top to bottom their teams are a little bit better. So, uh, you know, I, I I think the ACC is one of these teams, you know, is one of these uh, conferences that's going to sneak in and, and, you know, win a championship. I think they're definitely going to, you know, be in a position to, I should say. 
All right, let's get to this pick 'em then. Last week we had uh, Deb. I think you went first. Yeah. Can't remember. No, Brandon, you went first. Deb, you get to go first this week. Give me a pick 'em here. All right, I want to go BYU St. Mary's, um, just because I want to keep watching pretty closely what BYU's doing, kind of how they come off their momentum swing from that big win. And we've already kind of talked about St. Mary's as a a good team to watch. So. I think I am going to go BYU in that one. I'll take St. Mary's. Where where's that match at? I'm sorry. Oh, not sure. I can look her up quick here. Let's see. It's not at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> good call, good call. I'm taking St. Uh, Mary's regardless. I don't care. <laughs> no matter what. I like when you I like when you guys split them. Rosenthal, give me one. Um, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in that LA area. I want to know USC, UCLA. Uh, I'm going to take SC. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to go UCLA on this one just to go with the split, but also they're a team that I think has kind of underachieved so far this season. You know, they're still top 25, but I think they have more potential than they're showing us right now. And there's nothing like a, a little in-state rivalry, huge rivalry like that to kind of bring it out. So I'm going to go with UCLA on that one. Yeah, interesting to see what Mike Seeley does here in his now third year. Okay, talk to me, Rosenthal. Or no, pardon me, Deb. Deb, you're up for pick. Yeah, I'm thinking Stanford, Arizona State is going to be another good one. That's on the 27th. And we kind of talked about Stanford as being a little bit of a sleeper team. Um, you know, they're kind of – not falling off the radar, but haven't really been playing those big matches we've been following. And Arizona State's kind of the dead opposite. They're a team that no one necessarily thought they were going to be talking about, and all of a sudden they're kind of emerging as a force this year. So I think I will go with Arizona State in that one. Whoa. That's fantastic, because Whoa. I love that Stanford. You're going I'm going with Stanford. <laughs> Deb, I like, I like you, the young guns. The super underdog in your own game. I like that. Yep, got got to do it once in a while. All right, Rose, last one. Throw it out here. I'm going with the old football rivalry, Michigan-Ohio State. I mean, what more can you – I mean, again, you talk about rivalry weeks. You know, you got USC, UCLA. Here it is, Michigan at Ohio State. Uh and then the funny thing is Michigan has to play at Penn State the next night. Uh, but I want to focus on this Michigan-Ohio State just because it's the old college rivalry. And uh, I'm going to take Michigan on this one. Uh, I, I, I still have – I still need to see what Ohio State's all about. And uh, I think they're a good team. I think uh, Caitlin Leary on the outside has been playing some great volleyball. She was a uh, national player of the week two weeks ago. Uh, schedule is still a little bit. They've got a quality win over uh, – actually two quality wins, uh, Western Kentucky and Florida State, uh, and also a good win over Xavier. But I, I need to see what they're all about this week tells me. Deb. Yeah, well, apparently it's going to be underdog week for me. I'll take Ohio State for the split on that one. But, yeah, I think he, nice. right when he says, you know, we haven't really seen a whole lot from Ohio State yet. They have some nice wins, but, you know, it is going to be a, a big test for them. And I'm not as confident in this pick, but we'll we'll go with Ohio State still. 
All right, super fan Katie Charles of the program. She's going to be in the in-house for that one, checking it out. So maybe we'll get a, uh, a, a match report from Katie Charles as to the atmosphere, if anyone was in costume and performing. Any matches we have missed here, you two, that you think people ought to be checking out as conference play gets underway? Uh, I had kind of checked out the Kentucky-Auburn match. I know that Auburn is not necessarily one of the big teams yet. Um, but if you look at their losses, you know, they've lost to Florida State. They've beaten Nebraska. I think that they're a team that has potential this season. And then I just like Kentucky. I like what they're doing. They're such a strong ball control team. Uh, got some Terminators out there. I think that's going to be a pretty good one. And that's on the 27th, All right. which is Friday, I believe. Rosenthal. For, for me, I'm going to stay in Big Ten. Territory, country, whatever you want to call it, Purdue, Wisconsin, you know, blue collar, that's all it is. The only thing it's missing is four feet of snow outside. Uh, you know, this is Big Ten volleyball right here. Uh, Purdue at Wisconsin. You know, we we talked about uh, wanting to know what Wisconsin's about. You know, a couple losses early for Purdue, not bad losses, one to SC and then one to Western Kentucky. Um, but this is going to be a great matchup, and uh, you know these coaches know each other well. Uh, a stumble for Wisconsin in the middle of their schedule, you know, with Kansas, they've been back on the winning streak. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. All right, Wisconsin, a team that is just outside the top 25. Look, like you're sitting at about 28. So, if you're following along, teams that are just outside the 20, uh, top 25 are Kansas State, Western Kentucky, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, BYU, St. Mary's. Cal, interesting to see Cal way out there. Duke, Texas A&M, Miami of Florida. No, you shouldn't have to put FL after Miami. It is Miami of Florida unless you put Miami of Ohio. If you say Miami, no one assumes it's Miami of Ohio. Cal State, Northridge. So, interesting. Northridge creeps in there. How about that, Jeff Stork? Way to go, buddy. Drink. (laughs) Yeah, Cal lost to to Davis uh, during the week, so... Uh, a tough loss for them. And uh, if you look at Northridge's schedule, they've been doing some nice things all year long. So uh, not surprised by that one and, and something that I know Stork's been working towards uh, for a while now. So uh, keep your eye on them. All right, we will keep our eye on Northridge. Deb, have we missed anything? Um, I am heading down to the Illinois-Nebraska match this weekend, obviously. So that one I am looking forward to. I think Nebraska, they were right there in that Texas match. We haven't really talked about that one yet. I think they were way closer than that final score looks like of stealing that five-setter from Texas. So I am interested to see how they're going to stack up against the Illinois team on Illinois' home court. So I'll I'll have the in-house report on that one next week. Very cool. Hey, will we continue to see this kind of parity? Deb, do you think this is just the new status quo that you don't have the powerhouses? You have any team capable of knocking off a top ten team like BYU just did? You know, it kind of seems like it. I I think that once we start conference play, we're going to get a better read on that. I think that you know, conference you're traveling more, you're not necessarily in your rhythm and your schedule. It's a little bit harder to get a good consistent indicator of what teams are capable of. You know, maybe you have teams that are resting players during those non-conference matches in preparation for conference scheduling. So I think we'll get a better indicator of that once we actually hop into conference play here in the next yeah, few Br- weeks. 
Brandon, is there a team right now that you feel like had a great preseason or pre-conference season that perhaps now once they're in a conference we're going to see them drop off and get exposed? Um, you know, I think, again, I think parity's here to stay. I really do. I think that within the next five years, you're going to see the Cinderella teams that you see a little bit more of in, uh, you know, in college basketball. Uh, the team that I'm really interested in for a couple different reasons is Pepperdine. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on. Uh, pretty good wins, you know, in Kentucky, and then they lose at home to Santa Clara and San Francisco. Uh, kind of interested to see what happens with them. Uh, there's some teams, you know, Colorado State is a team that, you know, I don't think they're going to get, you know, completely challenged uh, in their conference, but definitely want to see what that grind takes, you know, takes on. And then Florida. Florida's the team. Uh, good win over Florida State, but I, I want to see what happens when they play Kentucky, Texas A&M. Uh, they're going to play Texas A&M pretty early, both of them and Kentucky pretty early. Uh, but unfortunately, outside of that, I'm not sure they're going to get tested uh, too much uh, unless they slip up a little bit. All right, Mary Wise, we want to see what you're made of down there with the Gators. All right, Brandon Rosenthal, just remember – Deb is undefeated for the moment. You're two and two. You got a little work to do. All right, the new kid on the block is taking your spot. Hey, I'm ready. <laughs> He's ready to compete in the gym. Deb and Brandon, thanks very much. Thanks for your contributions to this show each week. We will talk to you next week. Have a good time at that Illinois Nebraska match, Deb. Will do. Thanks. Have All a great right. week, guys. See you guys. See you. Brandon Rosenthal, Deb Static, checking in College Volleyball Weekly. Uh, that's some good matches to look forward to, there, Jeremy. I know you don't, you're not into indoor volleyball, but there are some uh, some good matchups there. I told you, I went to Xavier American match over the weekend. Good for you. Yeah, way to really get out there in Irvine. Xavier, like it was down the street from my house. Well, Nicole tells you what to do, you do it. That's just how it works. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's the smartest decision I've ever made, Kevin. Just saying yes. All right, we have our correspondent from North Seca on the line. Is that excellent? Is that accurate? You get an intro, or you just going right to it? No, just go right to it because this guy he does uh, he does volleyball announcing now. Played a little bit, played a lot. If you look at his Facebook page, all all about playing. I see a nice one of him going full pro wrestler on the Manhattan Beach sand. He's flexing it all. He's got the abs going, the arms. He's been working out, but lately he's been working out the intellect and the volleyball knowledge because he's been announcing volleyball both in house and now on the live web stream. Welcome, Mark Sherman. Mark, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Kevin. What's up? I always want to call you Mark Schuerman. I always want to use the E. I'm correct yeah. not to use the E? Okay. You are correct. I mean, technically, I'm probably wrong. I probably don't know how to say my actual name because the way it's spelled, it, it should be it should be Schuerman. But no, I might have to change it to seven letters and get, yeah, the, were, get the normal Sherman. If it were Schuerman, we might think that you were some some kind of uh, cobbler. Might think that you worked on shoes, and if I needed my stuff resold, that you would be the guy. But it's Sherman anyway. So, Mark, you were on site. You had an opportunity to see Norseka and be there. How was the atmosphere, first of all? Did the fans turn out to see Jordan Larson Burbach? Uh, the fans turned out to see Jordan uh, not quite as much as I expected, to be honest. Um, what I heard coming in, uh, about Omaha, about you know the area around. I mean, you got University of Nebraska and Lincoln about 45 minutes away. I heard that they just absolutely pack 
those games, they have a dedicated volleyball facility that holds about 9,000 fans, and it's packed every single time. So this facility, I think, holds up to 5,000, something like that. Maybe not quite that much, but so I was expecting that to be packed, especially for the Friday semis and the, the Saturday finals, but it, it really wasn't. I mean, it was a good atmosphere. Um, There's probably, you know, I don't know, four-fifths full maybe um, in the finals, and uh, it was great. Uh, they're huge fans of Jordan and Kayla. Uh, Jordan Larson and Kayla Banworth both went both went to Nebraska. Um, but honestly, it wasn't it wasn't packed like I thought it was. But you know, when Jordan was in there, they were uh, they were pretty excited. Were there any big heads in the audience? Were there any giant Kaylas or Jordans? There were no big heads, as far as I saw, unless they only brought them out in the stands behind me when I was doing the game and couldn't see it. <laughs> All right, so no big heads. There were no there were no Matt Garthoffs in the audience. No triangle hats. Nothing. No. All right. How about the quality of play? This was a tournament the United States was expected to dominate and did pretty well until they got to the finals. They got a little bit of run from Dominican. Dominican is probably the biggest challenger in this zone these days for the United States. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the Dominican, they, they played pretty well. Um, the Dominican's an up-and-down sort of team. They'll go on big-time hot streaks um, and stay focused and, and just keep going, keep going. they got some big swingers. They like Cruz, other outside hitters. They've got good middle blockers, uh, Shiloh Casio especially. And um, so, so they'll go on runs. But the problem with them is they also they can go down. They sort of get down on themselves. They don't bring it together as a team quite as much. Um, like the USA does that better than anybody I've seen is after every single point, Kristen Hildebrand, captain, is bringing the team in, um, you know, whether it's whether it's a great point or a not-so-great point and refocusing them. So the next one, for the Dominican, I, I don't see them do that quite as much, especially when they when they have a couple errors in a row. Um, so, so you can go on five- or six-point runs on the Dominican. Uh, I think that's their, their biggest issue. But they are, I mean, they're a great program. They're extremely good at good at defense, um, keeping a ton of balls alive. Uh, they're blocked. Uh, didn't quite keep up with the USA offense. Um, overall, USA just a more consistent team, I think. A good win for the United States. How about uh, from the U.S. players? How did they react to the event? How much did they enjoy playing in the United States? Uh, it looks like they had having fun the whole time. Um, Jordan reacted to the crowd. I mean, in the finals, she was the first one to serve. I think the USA started out the first ball, and then she, she ripped an ace on their first service point, and the uh, um, crowd, crowd goes crazy every time Kayla gets a point, whether it's a tip, a, a kill, a serve, whatever. And then she finished off the first set with an ace also. Um, and, yeah, yeah, the crowd responded mostly to Jordan and Kayla. Uh, they were pretty supportive of the U.S. team in general, obviously. But, but the players looked like they had fun. I think they love playing in the U.S. And I think it was the first, first time, at least first time in 20 years or whatever, that they've had the North Seca in the U.S. So I think they were excited about playing in it. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, it didn't look like it affected them too much. They weren't, like, distracted by being in their, you know, in their home country and with their own fans cheering for them for once. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they responded well to it. Good. How was your broadcast? How well was that received? What kind of interaction were you having with fans? Did you guys have a chat board up there that you could uh, interact with while you were broadcasting? I put up... Uh, my Twitter, I always, whenever I do a broadcast, whether it's at, at Northridge drink or at, a, you know, whatever broadcast I'm doing, I, I put on my Twitter and invite fans to 
um, you know, interact with us and say, hey, let me know where their listen is from. And, and that got a great response, especially from Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. Got a lot of people in, uh, tweeting me in from there. I had to keep my Google Translate up throughout the matches so I knew what all of them were saying. But uh, that was really cool. Even Saluka, Akinrado, uh tweeted me a couple times to interact, so that was cool. I mean, that's probably my favorite part about doing the broadcast is hearing other people that are listening in. And, you know, we got some good feedback. Uh, Ted Rutan was the play-by-play guy for this one. It was actually my first time doing color commentary, acting as the, as the color guy, so that was a really good experience for me. I really enjoyed it. Um, probably the only sport I could do color commentary. But, uh, yeah, it, it went well. Um, I've heard the video was especially high quality, like HD. Nobody reported any glitches or um, any slow streaming or anything. The audio was synced with the video, and I think people enjoyed that. This was the most professional broadcast USAV's ever ever put up with with this production company, Coach's Aid, that they had that they had put it on. So I think I think it was received well. I didn't get any direct feedback. Um, from anybody at US at USAV, I, I sort of like to in this week and see what they thought of it. But uh, yeah, I think things are looking up as far as being able to watch uh, men's and women's national team live whenever they're playing, especially in the US. BJ Evans, if you're listening, we need a full report on the performance of Mark Sherman, and we'd like a copy <laughs> DC to the net live, please. Uh, we need to hear about how Mark was uh, representing the broadcasting world of volleyball people. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting for you guys to for you to switch over to doing analyst work. It's a little different than doing uh, than doing play by play. Was the play by play guy that you had? Did he know much about volleyball? Had he done volleyball before? He has done volleyball before, uh, not at this level. He's done um, lower levels. I, I know he knows the game. His daughter plays um, volleyball, and he doesn't. He doesn't have an extensive like knowledge like a player would have or a coach would have. Um, but he's also, I mean, he's done the broadcast for a lot of different sports as well. Um, I, I really liked working with him. He He's so excited about it. That's the main thing. You can hear it in his voice and even talking to him about it in the timeouts and, and you know, at dinner the, that night, like the nights after the broadcast. He, he loves doing it. He's really stoked about it. He just truly loves to be there, which I think is extremely important. I can hear that in his voice, and I think everybody listening to listening could too. Um, so I think it was a good combo. He kind of like he knows the game enough to call it and sound knowledgeable, um, but he's not, you know, per se an expert on it. Uh, I, I think it was a really good combo. Um, and like I said, it was my first time doing color, so I hope people hope people liked what I had to bring to it. Um, but yeah, I, I liked working with Ted. And uh, Are I, your I think it went pretty well. These broadcasts, uh, you know what? I would ask BJ right now to answer that for you on the board. I I was told beforehand they were going to be archived. When I looked yesterday to see if they were going to be archived, I did not uh, find an archive of it, so I might not be looking in the right place. I'm not sure if they're archived. I, I thought before the tournament they were going to be, though. Okay, well, we'll keep looking for that. I was looking for that earlier this weekend, seeing if I could, seeing if I could find it archived, and they were not available that I could find. Anyway, we will find that out. Mark, thank, thanks for checking in, and uh, when's your next event? You doing any more for the national teams? Uh, not sure when the next event is. I don't know if they have anything else coming up this year except for the Grand Champions Cup in uh, up in Japan in November. I, I asked Coach Ludwig for Canada if there's any way he could fly me up to uh, Langley up by Vancouver for the uh, Men's North Stake, but no go on that. So I'm not sure 
uh, yeah, I'm not sure if there's anything else is coming up on that end. I'm working with uh, I'm working with Harvard Westlake High School. I'm doing the public address announcing for some of their volleyball matches, um, and that's that's really fun to do actually. Um, and yeah, so I don't know, just like you, Kevin, I'm sort of eye out for for jobs everywhere. So we'll see what happens. Very good, Mark Sherman. Thanks for checking in. Thanks for uh, giving us a, a contribution there for North Seca. Mark Sherman on the ground in Omaha this Thanks, entire Kevin. past week. Thanks, man. All right, Jeremy. Now that we've talked about so much indoor that your eyes have glazed over, let's talk about a little more indoor, but uh, something you might know a little more about. Beach indoor? Uh, no. No. Beach indoor. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to get to Jay here in just a minute, but I want to detail the USA men's North Seca roster since they are getting underway uh, against St. Lucia. Is that today? I believe that's today. The 23rd? The 23rd, yeah. That would Look be today. That. The 23rd. They're playing St. Lucia today. So look out for the United States to perhaps have a loss today to uh, the island of St. Lucia. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I remember playing this event in San Juan, Puerto Rico, my first year on the national team. We got all the way to the finals. We faced Cuba, and Cuba pretty well gave us a smackdown. That was not a lot of fun. Here's the United States pool. They are facing St. Lucia today. They will face off with Dominican Republic tomorrow. These are being live streamed actually through a Canadian broadcast. I think someone told me it was five bucks for the entire event, so uh, you can check it out that way. I'm not sure what they're doing for announcers and whatnot, but we'll have to see. Another way to support volleyball, Kevin. Exactly. It's an opportunity to be a fan. So yeah, that's so that's it. The United States is playing two matches because it appears to be two pools of three. So play those two matches, then they will play in playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs, and that'll happen this 26th, 27th, 28th. So we'll be over in uh, in just five days. So we can talk about it next week. We can. And by we, I mean you. Interesting. Uh, you'll be here, won't you? Next Monday. Yeah, I will. Okay. Interesting roster selections here. Sean Rooney back on the roster, 2008 Olympian and gold medalist. Excellent. He is back on the roster. So Sean Rooney back healthy again. Reed Pretty has returned to the roster. Undoubtedly Reed? returned to the starting lineup. Didn't he used to be part of the show? He used to be. Mike Christensen. How about that? Mike Christensen nice. makes a setter spot. He's still in Southern Cal. I believe he's going to be just a junior this year. I will see him a bunch for Pac-12's men's coverage. And Jeff Menzel out of UC Santa Barbara. So finally, we get to see Jeff Menzel at opposite, or at least he makes a roster. Who knows if we see him. And Futi Tavana at middle blocker out of BYU also makes this roster. Uh, other notables, Eric Shoji continues his run at Libero after being most excellent, having a great debut in World League. And then at the opposite spot, it's still Troy Murphy and Carson Clark. Troy Murphy, Murphy Troy. Murphy Troy. Did I say Troy Murphy again? Yeah. God, it's killing me. I now think, it's to the point where like I'm second-guessing myself. I, you know what? It's just not right. Murphy Troy. Sorry, Murph. Uh, they, those two guys are at opposite, so still no Stanley. And Murphy Troy and... Carson Clark will continue to battle it out for that spot. Matt Anderson at the outside hitter. Kyle Caldwell, the other setter. David Lee and Max Holt in the middle. So that's my expected starters. I, I'm, I would be surprised to see Futi Tavana start. Uh, but Max Holt and David Lee, I believe, would be the starters come finals time. But this yeah. is, given the schedule, uh, St. Lucia. Here's a rundown of the teams that are in this event. St. Lucia, Cuba, the Bahamas. Canada, Guatemala. Did I mention Mexico yet? Puerto Rico. It's just not good teams. <laughs> These are not good teams. Cuba is okay. 
Canada. They, they disappointed me substantially. Canada is good. Yep. I would expect the United States Canada final. That that's my prediction, and that should be a great match. I think that'll be a really good match. The United States should have the upper hand, but don't tell Canada that. I won't. Let's bring in a guy who knows about the indoor side of the game, including the junior national team, as well as being assistant coach at Penn State and occasional host of this program. Welcome back, Jay Hosick. Gentlemen, how are you doing? My gosh. I feel like it's been a while, Jay. It's been too long, I think. <laughs> I am a weary traveler, my friend. I'm I'm happy to be home back in Happy Valley, that's for sure. Dude, tell us a little bit about your summer with the junior national team. Uh, well, where do I start? We had a second round of tryouts in early June. We were originally supposed to go down to Argentina for a Pan Am Cup, I believe, and that got changed and canceled and then we were going to go to, let's see, not tonight, we were going to go to Costa Rica for a tournament, and that got canceled. And then we had just a few days, literally a handful of days up in Colorado Springs to prepare for the World Championships. And we were in Turkey for, uh, I think, a couple of weeks or so playing in the World Championships and finished 11th. It wasn't exactly where we'd like to finish, but I thought it was a good experience for the guys overall. So all things said. All right, so world champs in Turkey, and I know this has been a concern with some of the locations is the security issue, some of the issues that Turkey has had recently. How were the accommodations? How were the travel arrangements? How was the entire event? You know, I'll tell you what, the FIVB did a really nice job putting on this event. This is uh, uh, obviously the every other, every other year culmination of, you know, the different zonal championships, and I think there was some initial light concern in the beginning of the summer when it was going to be held in Turkey. And obviously as the summer progressed, there was some unrest that happened. However, we were not in Istanbul. We were located in Izmir, which is over on the western coast. Um, And I believe the other city was Ankara, and there was a little bit going on there, but not much. And so security was obviously very good. Um, USA Volleyball was obviously in, you know, discussions with, the State Department and finding out if everything was going to be fine, and they said, without question, we'll be okay. And luckily, I'm here, so I think that uh, speaks for itself. So, yeah, it was a good, it was a good tournament, and you know, it was a, everything was really well done. It was a, it was a great experience. How about the attendance? Turkey has a, a very vibrant professional league right now. How well attended were the matches? They do. Uh, yeah, I've been to Turkey before during a couple of those pro matches, and they they do a really nice job. You know, we did not have Turkey in our pool. Uh, or at least on our side of the tournament, so I don't think we saw the full brunt of it. We averaged probably, you know, anywhere from three to 600 people a match, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're in Europe, I think everybody counts for, I think one person in Europe counts for five people in America in terms of their loudness and craziness. So there was uh, there was definitely some, some vibrant matches going on. Turkey had a couple of matches. I think they were up in the 12 to 1500 range. So it was... Uh, was really, really well attended and, and a good match. I mean, you got to figure these are 21 and under kids, so it's not like they've created a, a fan base necessarily of their pro fans that are, you know, they average in the high thousands to go out there and watch their, their, their players play. So it was a good tournament. How about the experience for the U.S. players in touch with that whole world of possibility as far as volleyball goes? Is that something that you, you see affect kids differently? I'll tell you what I think the largest difference is. You know, we we obviously, you know, we coach in the collegiate ranks out here, and, and we like to think that we put out a pretty nice product. And the, the challenge really remains, and I think Hugh McCutcheon and Annie Sparag probably agree with it as well, is 
you know, they say it takes about four to six years out of college for a guy to really realize what the international game is played at. And, you know, our guys went into the into the tournament with some pretty high hopes, at least thinking that they were they were in the top half of the whole thing. And, you know, you watch some of these kids that are, you know, 19, 20, 21, and they are just, uh, they're at a whole new level attacking and blocking. And I think that's what Hugh and John talk about a lot is it, it's that that level of not only you know termination but you know the serving from behind the behind the service line, the the defense that they play is not necessarily you know they're playing better schemes. They just refuse to let a ball hit the floor, um, and they just you know they're just at a, at a whole other speed I think, and and that's quite uh, eye opening uh, not only for the for the players but for the coaching staff as well because you know they they're hitting balls that we just don't normally see that much so. I think it, I think some of the guys that, that went this year, they're going to take some stuff back to their teams, and they'll be able to explain, hey, this is this is what really works, and you know, and, and hopefully USA volleyball gets better and better over the years. The more we go into these and uh, in, in these experiences and take from them. Is it an NCAA violation if I ask you who played well at this tournament? Uh, I don't think it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're not playing for me anymore, and and uh, you know they're obviously on other college teams. I think uh, uh, you know I think Matt West did a nice job. He was the majority of our uh, of this playing setter for us the majority of the time. Uh, you know I thought Ben Patch did a really nice job. He uh, was a was a high percentage attacker for us. Uh, he got better blocking as the tournament went on, and his serve was a little streaky at times. But I, I thought just overall he played a really nice tournament for us. Um, you know, I thought uh, Jasky, uh, Thomas Jasky from Loyola at first did a really nice job. He's in system. The kid's really good. Um, I think out of system was a little bit of a struggle for him. But, you know, overall, I just, I think, you know, everybody got pretty much a chance to contribute. And I think it's it's one of those things where, you know, I don't think there was necessarily one or two people per se that were carrying our team. I think there were lots of people throughout the course of the tournament that just, you know, they, they contributed and, and did what they could when their time came. And, you know, we're going home and, and with some learning experiences. That's really about it. All right, switching gears for a second, I want to ask you about Penn State and how you guys utilize your preseason. What does your preseason schedule look like? Uh, has it has it just gotten underway? When do you start practice? When do you start playing some matches here for your limited number of opportunities? Yeah, the, the the initial stuff is starting. Uh, started last week. We only allowed two hours in the gym during this time, as you know. And you know, we're just we're just kind of getting back into the swing of things. The guys are knocking the rust off, and you know, coaches are getting back into you know coaching mode, and and the kids are excited. The young kids are excited, and the older kids are you know good to get back in the gym and work hard. And you know, we don't start anything major for another few weeks, and so. Um, you know, I put together an international tournament last year here that went pretty well. And next year, uh, this year we have uh, a couple more teams coming in from out of the country, and it's just a good little test for our guys. And you know, it's just trying to establish a tradition here and just and keep reliving the, the good stuff that goes on here. So, yeah, it's funny. I barely remember when we used to only have two hours of practice in college. <laughs> I, I, having played ten years. <laughs> Professionally or nine years as a as a full time player and it's three hours a day every day. I barely remember that time when it was like, all right, you're a half hour individual and and we'll see you for a half hour individual in two days. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And, and you know, and, and every coach does it differently. Some coaches do that. They do one two-hour block. They do one one-hour block one day, one one-hour block the next day. It's just, you know, whatever seems to work for their program and their guys for, the, for that year. So so where are you as a staff spending your time right now with Focus? Where where are we spending our time? Yeah, uh, meaning, in the meaning office. with your planning process. <laughs> I, You know what? I, I I don't, I'm not going to speak for the staff. I'll tell you what I think, and that way it's, it eliminates any kind of any issues. Here's, here's how I look at it. We're only really allowed, you know, two hours a week. How much are you going to get done for your few weeks that you do your two hours a week on? So I think for the most part you try to lay down some groundwork. I think you try to lay out uh, an outline of, hey, here's where we were last year and here's where we can improve this year. You know, the, the old guys are helping the young guys, trying to figure things out and how drills work. And, you know, I really, I just don't really think at this time you're really making any major adjustments. Now, once you get into the 20 hours a week, that's when you can really start to put together some practice plans where you're focusing on specific aspects of the game. So I think for another few weeks, we're just going to kind of, you know, just map it out and go from there. All right, Jay Hasek. Well, we appreciate you calling into this program and giving us a, a little view into what went on this summer for the junior national team. Good to see that those players are getting a little bit of touch because that's one of my biggest complaints is that, as you stated, our guys have no idea how good they aren't. That's yeah, that's a, a good way to put it for sure. Hey, uh, you know, and, and keep in mind, uh, I, I mentioned it to you in the email, and I'm not going to get into too much depth about it, but let's just put it this way. For all men's collegiate volleyball fans, there is some major stuff going on in the works. And uh, let's just say that it's, it's not exactly set in stone yet, but wheels are in motion and people are going to be happier. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. There, there's stuff being discussed this week. So that's why I don't want to get too specific. But just rest assured that there is some definite stuff in the making that should make some people very happy. So uh, all, all good. Oh, well, I hope so. That's the NCAA discussion about the play-in game and the expansion of the men's NCAA championships. Jay, while we had you, I also want to ask you about the Pacific thing. We forgot to mention last week that there's a very good interview Vinny Lopes has done. He continues to do good work on behalf of the sport over there on offtheblock.com yeah. with Ted Leland, the athletic director at UOP. And yeah. I, I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about the interview because there's a couple of things in there I think we already know, and it's hardly worth getting upset about Title IX anymore because we just know those factors. It's not like sure. it's new news for us to understand that when Ted Leland is quoted as saying, I needed to cut a sport and I knew I couldn't cut a women's sport. Right. <laughs> it's just it's right. disheartening to hear that again. Uh, but yeah. what, do you, what do you think the possibilities are? What are you hearing is the possibility from anyone that that program gets saved and they raise enough money. It looks like a couple hundred thousand dollars. They raise enough money to continue running that program. Well, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not privy to the insider information, but from what I'm hearing, the, I think the initial number we heard was the, the operating budget was sixty-eight thousand a year. I don't think that includes scholarships or coaches' salary. I think that's I think scholarships are within the the university budget. I think this is just their standing operating budget now. I, I think the number you mentioned was a couple hundred thousand, and that I think what that does is that gives them a three-year guarantee, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I, okay. you don't want to tell your conference, 
hey, we're here for another year, and then all of a sudden they get back to and they're kicking the can down. They're figuring out, well, next year with scheduling, well, do we put you on, do we not? You have, you have to have a few-year commitment to that. So I think that helps them out there. I, you know, the alumni for Pacific are really passionate about it. And, you know, granted, they've never been to a Final Four. They're not exactly the, you know, the – the, the Predator and the MPSF, but what they are is an opportunity for guys to play. And every few years they get a good recruiting cycle going through there. And the guys that play there are just really happy about it and really passionate about that place. And Joe Wartman, you know, does a real nice job of putting together that program on a shoestring budget. So, you know, it'd be obviously it would be a real shame to lose that team and to lose that program with its with its short but storied career in history. I should I sincerely hope and I and I would not doubt it if it does happen that these guys they will put together some resources and I think that program is going to stay. I'm I'm confident that uh, you know the guys like the Daryl Dillmores out there and the Chris Thomases and and and, and uh, the Jeff Halls and the, and the people that are still involved in coaching they're not going to let that happen. Uh, and I just I, I I hope and pray that Leland you know finds some resources somewhere else within that university or somebody takes some mercy on him and says, look, let's not cut this program. Let's keep it and see what they can do. Because it would just be a real shame to take a, yet another loss. But I'll tell you what I did here, and you can confirm this, Kevin, that the ABCA stepped up and wrote a letter to them themselves and said, hey, that we can't have this happen. And so I was really, really pleased to hear hmm. that. So nice. kudos to the ABCA for doing that. I read oh, that – they're talking if they can be if they can fund themselves they would for sure stay. Is that right? Did I read yes. that correct? Okay. Yes, that's that's what I've heard. If they can fund themselves now, somebody had written in the Bali Talk world, and I I really agree with it. If, if they set the precedent that they can keep their program by funding themselves, oh boy, how many other athletic directors in the that's future true. read that and all of a sudden go, well, you know, I got to save some money and men's volleyball, well, they can figure it out and. You know, and it's not just men's volleyball. What if it's another sport? And so, I, I surely hope that that does not happen. Uh, funding themselves to, as, as a band aid to help them get over the hump, so to speak, and wait until the next round of funding can come through—that's one thing. If you make that program sustain on its own forever, it's going to initially fall on its sword on itself, and it's just not going to be a good scene. So, I, I hope that that's just a temporary thing and not a permanent solution. Yeah, it might be the law of unintended consequences there. I love your description about Pacific. They're not the predator in the MPSF. No, I think they're more Carl Weathers. I think they're more Dylan. <laughs> like, they're pretty tough, but in the end, they're going to get killed anyway. Oh, uh, you know what, though? Back in the day, back when when you and I played collegially, and they had, like, the Andres and the and the Dillmores and the Jeff Halls, and those, they were a good team. They were not bad. Uh, Who was the setter? And, uh, Chris Thomas was the setter for them a little while. No, before Chris Thomas. Oh, uh, yeah. what's his name before from? Uh, yeah, before Chris Thomas. Ooh, ooh! Now you're deep. You're, you're dope. I bet you Dillmore and those guys are listening. They would know. No, it's before Chris Thomas. Coach at Concordia. Now, uh, coach at. Uh, Don't look at me. Oh, Dan. Uh, Dan uh, Fisher. Fisher. That's Dan right. Fisher. He came from Northridge. Drink. Did Did he, he go to North, was, Northridge to UOP? Drink. He, he went, I think, and somebody, I think, mentioned he went to Hawaii for a year. I'm not sure if he did that or not, but I remember sure. he went up. That's right. That was during my senior year, I believe. He went up to Pacific, and we called him Shaggy because he had longer hair back then, and he kind of looked like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. And he would warm up. He would hit in warm-ups when they played us because, obviously, we weren't exactly putting up a big fight. 
And she would bang balls harder than anybody in the gym. I mean, that guy was just unbelievable back then. Is this Dan similar to the CSUN situation? Didn't CSUN face getting cut? Didn't CSUN face getting cut in the late 90s? Weren't they at, at issue there? Am I misremembering that? Yes. Yes, you are. You are hearing. You are remembering correctly, and okay. uh, they 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 figured out a way to keep it there. That's right. They did face uh, elimination back in the day. So did Ball State. Look at them. They're turning around. Now they're fully funded. Northridge fully funded for the first time in program history. UOP, if you're listening, you guys have some opportunities here. You got to make this work. I do not want to lose. We do not want to lose another men's program ever. We're growing. We're getting better. I'm telling you, if we can hang on, we are getting better, Kevin. I'm seeing light at the end of the tunnel. This two-year cycle, the budget's going to open up again for discussions. And I think with this possibility of what's going on right now in these, in these talks this week, people are going to start to get excited about men's volleyball again. We've just got to hang on. Just hang on, people. Just a little longer. Loyola Marymount, yeah, I'm cool. sure that, that now uh, defunct Jumbotron looked really good for the two years that it was uh, technologically advanced and uh, now been completely replaced. Your, oh. For your million dollars, you could have spent probably uh, about eighty grand and gotten the same thing today. Uh, good job getting rid of the yeah. Loyola Marymount program. And SDSU, you as well. Nice job. Congratulations. How, how good could those two teams have been right now, too, with all the, all the current stuff going on? Those programs would have been... Just, and you know what else we could have done with Loyola Marymount? If they would have stayed, we could have had a West Coast Conference by itself. Mm. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's expansion so, going on in the sport, and they're missing out on it. So. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss more as the weeks come up. I, I got some some uh, conspiracy theories as to what I think is going on or what I think is going to happen I'd like to get involved with, but to, on another show for sure. Are, are aliens involved? Is that why we're going with conspiracy? I don't know if aliens are involved, but there might be a nine iron and a bucket of ice. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, Jay Hossick, very, very good. Thanks All for right, checking boys, in. We look forward to having we'll you here soon. hosting again soon. You got it, boys. See ya. Thank All right, you. Jay Hossick checking in from Penn State, as well as the men's, or pardon me, boys, junior national team. Can I take a stab? Of what he was hinting at of news coming for the men's side? Sure, because I don't really know. Because I don't, I mean, I know nothing. It's all conjecture. Haven't heard anything where, but men's college beach? Uh, no. I think it has to do with the NCAA championships. Okay. I think it has to do with the expansion of that and maybe go to eight, because six is stupid. Gotcha. Uh, maybe go to eight. They we were going to have a play-in match, because the way they screwed up is they... They've now guaranteed a spot to the Conference Carolinas into the Final Four. Gotcha. Or into the Finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem is you only have a Final Four. Yeah. And you're already at a, in a bad situation because the at-large is coming from basically the, the West Coast, the MPSF, because the MPSF will have seven of the top ten teams. And you go into a four-team field, you get one team out of there. It's ridiculous. So, and, what, and what was the – we were talking about this last year – the issue is money and traveling all those teams, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's what the NCAA is, but it's pocket change. It's forty thousand bucks. I mean per team. No, it's like forty thousand dollars difference. Yeah, yeah between four and six or something, or even let's let's throw a number out there. Call it a hundred grand to go to eight. Gotcha. Which I guarantee it's not, but call it a hundred grand, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because even if you go to eight, you're only talking about hotel and meals and flights for those teams. For four for new teams. Yeah, because you're already renting the arena. Correct. It's not like the arena; they're tearing down the. 
the stands or probably tearing down the court and they're putting in Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus for a couple of hours and then putting your court back. That's no, true. You've rented the court for three days or, or whatever. They it just is. leave the lions and tigers and bears there and you have to play around them. Now that might get some ratings, but it, you know you already have that, so you're really just paying. You're running a couple other matches. You have some officials and this. And that. It's not that much more money. Gotcha. It's just not, and especially given where these are being held. Like UCLA last year, you would have one more team from the West Coast. I mean, could it be ten grand more, fifteen grand more, twenty grand? Let's say it costs twenty grand more to do. It's it's not much to gotcha. bring another team. Uh, and you're gonna have more ticket sales. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I, can, that's I don't think I can win the argument on that's that. Gonna, but, but you're gonna get more eyeballs. It is literally pocket change. It is literally money that is sitting in the couches of the NCAA headquarters. That's what I'm talking about. That would allow... Where are their headquarters? The men to play. I think it's Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. What's the address? Do you guys mind if I sit on your couch for a little while? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of been, been the discussion there is that it's a, a financial issue. And it's out of proportion, too. If you look at... We detailed this a while back. I don't remember the exact proportions, but the number of Division One women's programs that play versus the number that make playoffs. Playoffs. Right. Yeah, the percentage. The yeah. percentage is much higher by like a factor of three. I think it was like 30% versus 10% for the men's percentage of teams that play to the percentage of teams that make playoffs. So, or make the, the tournament, the NCAA tournament, the NCAA run portion of things. Gotcha. So, there's a lot of different ways to say it's not right. And really, four teams is ridiculous when the NCAA has the cash to do it, it's just gotcha. a matter of the willpower. And then when you mandate in a what has been an incredibly uh, positive growth part with the Coastal Carolinas as far as participation goes, and you mandate that in, now you're taking out more quality to put in more quantity. Well, you had better expand the quantity available. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say, well, it's four good teams when you only really have two. Correct. <laughs> so, correct. You know, fine, if there's eight teams and you have a couple, you're still going to have arguments, but they're not going to be quite as vehement. couple things. Where is the men's, where's the women's finals this year? Seattle. Where is the ABCA convention this year? Seattle. Okay. All at the same time. Is the NetLife going to be in attendance? Unknown at this point because okay. of my schedule, because of the ABCA, because of whatever. Okay. Yeah, great great event to go to. I hope that we have it there. Even if I'm not able to be there, we should have a show there. Correct. Bottom line. But I would love to be in Seattle. But we'll have to see if that's possible. I like Seattle. Been there a couple times. They're going to debut the Courtney Thompson movie there. That's actually one of the major reasons why I would like to be there, because I would like to see it. I would like to be there for that as well. I think that will be really fun. So if the NetLive or the ABCA would like Jeremy to be there... Although I do need to check my schedule too, I don't. It's in December. It's in December, and I have to look at the dates here as to what weekend it is. But I got to see how that meshes with my whole schedule. Meshes. And my schedule's currently shifting. With all I your, think I just I gave up a, uh, well, an event to add some other events. So you're motoing and flag football. And I did moto this past week. Drink. In addition to shooting guns. Drink. Drink a lot. I not felt, not I, while motoing or <laughs> shooting guns. I motored and shot guns. I felt like I should go spend the weekend in a trailer drinking Coors Light. I feel like that's what I should have been doing. You, oh, I can't, that's probably not the appropriate term. You were, what's the term I'm looking for, living the country lifestyle this past weekend? Yeah, to put it, to put it nicely. Country? 
I want to read a quote here on uh, on the show because I have a, a broadcast partner for high school football on Fridays. His name's Scott Kennedy. He knows everything there is to know about high school football. And he has ridden basically 80,000 miles on road, on motorcycles. He's been a, a soccer and football guy all his life. And this was what he sent me the day after because I asked him how he was feeling. He said, from a skill athleticism standpoint, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Mind you, this comes from somebody that has ridden motorcycles for years. Never had to work that hard in my life to be that bad. It's awesome. Because it's, it's so good. It's nothing like you've ever done before. If you get a chance to do it, I know a lot of people don't live in the spot where they can, but if you have a buddy who says, hey, do you want to get out and ride my mini bike or whatever in the backyard, try it. Don't go ride a full-size bike unless you have equipment. But if you have a mini bike or something, go out and, go out and try it. Give it a shot. I sent him my favorite quote. Baseball, basketball, football, and soccer all require a ball. Motocross requires two. Awesome. <laughs> and when you're done, you can't feel them. <laughs> That's right. If you, if you smash them on the tank, it's not yeah. good. No, he was dying, man. He, his quads were so tight. It's like if, it's very similar to when you haven't played volleyball in months and you go out and you play. And later that night, you can feel it coming on. You're like, no. No, and you wake up in the morning and you can barely move. Yeah, I haven't played for about two months. I'm not. I'm looking forward to getting back out there, but I'm not looking. Yes, I have physical therapy this afternoon. I see you looking at my ankle. Um, I'm not looking forward to feeling hurting afterwards. Yeah, it's not. It's not good. I remember when I would come back from playing from the summer, and I've been playing and being in shape, but not like I should have been really when I was that young. How? Uh, yeah, and you're I, never in game unless you're playing in games. You're not in game shape. No, I'd come back and hit, you know, in the gym the first day. You feel great. My, my right trap would be so bound up <laughs> and up into my neck and my abs and, like, the, the obliques and stuff. Oh, I was just dying. Dying. Two hours a week. Two hours a week. Go three and a half hours a day. Jesus. Consistent. Two hours a week. Barely remember those days. I don't know how you guys' shoulders stay on. Like, just hitting the ball that much? I never. I, I had one time where I had a little shoulder issue. It was a little sore. That was it in nine years Man. professionally. Shoulder was usually good. That's you know what saved me? Natural. The bands. The bands, yeah. You got to do the bands. Yeah. Boy, if you're an athlete out there, young or old, do the bands before every practice, before every match. What is that? That's outro. Is that playing on my computer for some reason? Uh, what, what's happening right now, Kevin? I don't know. What, seriously, what's happening? I don't know where that came from. It's not me, because my music is down. I don't have iTunes open. It was totally your computer. Wow. Seriously, where is that coming from? What was that? Is it ending our show? No. What was that? I, I've i touched nothing. Let's see if it's back. That was outro by M83. That's off of the uh, Atlas Cloud Atlas soundtrack. It's a great song. Your iTunes isn't open. I don't know, man. <laughs> that's a ghost in the machine right there. I mean, like, we should just sign off now. That's that's what that's saying. I said do the band work. you got to do the band work. Oh. For every practice, for every match. Yeah, I know what it is. For some reason on your garage band that we're recording the show, you have outro. Somehow it's on there. Oh, it never got erased. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. I love it. Now I can't. How do I get it out? Now you can't while we're going live. It doesn't no. matter anyway. You know what? I can turn the volume down. Oh, no, I can't do that. No, either. forget it. What? You just ruined the show. I did not With ruin your the your crappy show. music. I That's mean, a good song. That's great, but it's in the middle of our show. M83 is good music. I'm with you. Okay, oh, wait, thank have, you. Hold on. I may have got it. We're back. 
There we go. Yeah. All right. Way to salvage. That was just what, out of nowhere. What is happening to the show? We're coming up with new ways to sabotage our own program. Bottom line. I'm going to apologize for my performance today. Me too. I sucked. But what's your excuse? You know what? I just I just hit about 170. I hit too many balls out of bounds, and I got blocked about 10 times. <laughs> I mean, it happens. We all can't have our A games. The stupid part is there's nobody else to set, so you had to keep setting me. And I just kept splaying balls out of bounds. <laughs> you know, folks, some days you're on, some days you're not. And today, you know, it wasn't. You know what this means? Uh, next week is going to be way better. We're going to kill it next week. Kill it. We're going to bring in some guests. Thanks to Jay Hosick for checking in today. Thanks to Mark Sherman for being a part of the program. And as always, College Football Weekly with Deb and Brandon. Now your computer's just freaking out. Uh, whatever. Screw it. We're back. As my oldest son said at one point in the car, he was talking about something. He's trying to figure out something. He just goes, at some point, he just goes, ah, screw it. I'll just fix it at home. <laughs> um, we started laughing. Katie asked what's on the docket for next week. We're going to have somebody from from Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. We'll, we'll call in. I will. Or somebody from, from Norseka. Norseka, yeah. We'll have more to do next week than BS our way through a two-hour show. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a dead week. The women won, but it's just. We expected the women to win. I think the up, men are in more danger. Did you look up? I forgot where it was. Lane Carrico and her partner, um, uh, Sarah Hughes. That doesn't sound or feel right at the moment. Um, one, but the point of me bringing that up, they were in. They were somewhere representing the U.S. I apologize for not knowing. Probably some sort of Norseka. Correct. But uh, Lane Carrico is somebody that you all should... She's only 5'10". Only. And we have to pay attention to her? Only. She looks like she won Norsega, maybe. Sarah Hughes, correct. Um, they won this past weekend. Sarah's getting... She was on the cover of Volleyball Magazine, I think, recently. But Lane is a, a player on the women's side that the other players are talking about. And 23 years old. When that happens, that's somebody you should take notice. If the upper echelon of players are noticing you at a young age, then... Uh, the fans should start taking notice a little bit, too. I've got to see her on stadium court a couple of times the last few tournaments, and she is extremely athletic. And uh, you can see the potential there already. All right. She played at University of Miami. And she also played at Georgia State in sand volleyball. So she uh, she reached the ABCA National Championship semifinals with uh, Katie Mattawell. And Carrico was named ABCA All-American in sand volleyball. So she's taken that. And taking it right up, turned professional. Five foot ten, twenty three years old. Cool. Gonna be fun to watch, Lane Carrico. Yep. Keep your eye. Yep. Keep your eye on her. Yep. Heather Hughes played four tournaments together on the AVP. Played with Summer Ross in an IDQ. It'd be Sarah Hughes that she went with, not Heather Hughes. But she has played, been playing with Heather in uh, some AVP events, right? Yeah, she's played said. with a Heather Hughes and Sarah yeah. Hughes both. Right? Oh, is that confusing? Like you're siding out. You just say Hughes. How about Summer Ross and April Ross? They're not related. <laughs> if you're checking in from last week. Yes. Yeah. Very good. All right, let's get out of here, Jeremy, before we beat this. Finally, I thought we were going to leave after dead. College Bubble Weekly, and you had like nine people calling. I know. I was trying to make the show better, man. I'm always working. We'll be better next week. We will, and we hope that you are here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being on the chat board, folks. It's a lot of fun to have the interaction with you there. If you can, tune in live once in a while or give us a call. I'm Kevin. He's Jeremy. This is The Net Live. We'll see you next Monday.
Volleyball Magazine, the only print publication covering all aspects of the sport you love. VBM has been publishing the latest in volleyball news for over 35 years. With exclusive photo galleries, player interviews, event coverage, product reviews, and volleyball-specific health and fitness advice, Volleyball Magazine is a great resource for players and fans of all levels. Now with an even more robust online presence, check out VolleyballMag.com to subscribe and find exclusive web content and articles. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, Volleyball Mag is the industry's number one volleyball magazine.